Hello everybody and welcome to part two of Games of the Generation. With me on the Games of the Generation, part two, is my good friends Craig. Hello, how are you today? I'm fine, how are you? Sorry, because I'm doing Luke's voice as well. I just thought I'd, oh, I'd I was I was just I was going to introduce oh, Luke. Sorry right, okay, on you go then. Okay, uh, Mike. Hello, it's bloody magnificent to see you all this evening slash morning slash afternoon. And Luke, hi there. I'm currently trying to sound exactly like Craig. How am I doing, guys? Pretty good. You do, uh, oh, you're doing good, Luke. Thank you, thank you. That's part, part Irish for me, sorry. Can, all right, all right. Uh, there is a test to see which Scotsman you are. Uh, could you please say the word reliquary? Reliquary. I love it. Okay. Mike, my tongue doesn't go the right way to do... Reliquary. <laughs> Alright, so let us now leave this reliquary and get on with the episode. Uh, as per the first one, these are, well, it's the games of the generation. Uh, since the PS4, Xbox One generation is slowly coming to a crawl, Ling Death, um, we decided it'd be fun to look back and, and take a look at uh, what we thought some of the biggest standouts were of this gen. Now, this gen is a little weird. Uh, just because you kind of have to include like the 3DS and the Vita and the Wii U because Nintendo likes to be that 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 uncle that just doesn't follow anybody's rules. So uh, this does go back a little bit further than you might think than just the PS4, Xbox One, Ouya, uh, Atari Flashbacks, at games, Sega Classics. A Nintendo Classic, Super Nintendo Classic. Am I missing any other piece of junk? What? What, what are all these words? Okay. What's happening? Okay. So, uh, last time was the kind of stock standard, ah, best RPG, best ARPG, best ARWJRPG collaboration. You know, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, this time, the questions are a little bit more esoteric and more about uh, our personal, instead of thinking about, okay, what is actually the best kind of thing. So... Who wants to start off this episode with the series that came into its own? This is the series that kind of exploded this generation. Um, I, I, I could kick, I could kick start. Um, so first of all, for Luke, he put Divinity. I kind of, I can get where he's coming from with that because he fell head over heels in love with that series, in particular Divinity Two, which he's playing, you know, like through just now with his mates, and he's he's loving it. So. I'm sure he loves it. Um, Can I push up my glasses and say actually? Yeah, of course. It's it's the original Sin franchise instead of Divinity. Divinity's an old series. Like, been around since Diablo well, days. All, it's all he's written in the spreadsheet cell is Divinity. Okay? <laughs> actually. <laughs> uh, no, he's wrong. I'm sorry, Luke. You lose. Uh, for so, me, Craig, sorry, no, no, it's fine. Fine. for me, um, I answered this with the Yakuza series because uh, for me, this generation, it went from never having touched one to the whole thing exploding. Like, not only did we have, uh, you know, Yakuza 0 and 6 come in with a new engine and it was awesome, 
Uh, the old games were remastered, Like a Dragon came out with a completely different game mechanic, and it just felt like, for me, it went from not zero, but clo- like I'd played Yakuza 5 before, but it, it was almost zero to hero for me. Um, it really did explode in an awesome way, I think. I can't imagine just playing five. Yeah, um, five. I, like, what did you think of five? Like, the story is is not like a an a self-contained thing. It's, it's not. It, I th- I think I genuinely think it was on plus on the PlayStation Three at one point. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> so that is the reason why I played it, and I was just like, "What the hell is this?" Well, um, that's just, uh, just to get it out of the way, yeah, I, I agree with uh, Craig. Yakuza kind of went from this niche franchise to um, big, big money franchise. Like, this is now say almost like its flagship. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this definitely exploded this generation. Let's just hope they bring in new mini games and new... new uh, arcade you, games, yeah. Yeah, arcade games. I Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't play that, what you call it. Space Harrier anymore. I can't play Space Harrier. I'd not touch in Space Harrier again. No. Honestly, me, it's Super Hang On. I can't, I can't do more Super Hang On. Anyway, Mike, what did you think for this one? Yeah, I, I, I completely got the question wrong and just, just put Monster Hunter in this, which, <laughs> which isn't great to go off. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's always um, a good answer when you're unsure. Yeah, well, it, it but, started uh, off and it pretty much ended the generation well, which is which is good for me because this is pretty much life on the 3DS. This is what I spent the most time on the 3DS with and consequently the amount the the most I spent time on a PS4 game with as well, so it's sort of yeah, it's just, it's just a full circle of generation. It's it's just I think it's picked up since four ultimate. Oh yeah, and I think sort of like generations wasn't something I dipped into. Unfortunately, yeah, I've had multiple opportunities as well with its Switch re-release, but but yeah, and then of course when World came out, that was sort of like a rewriting of the series but i thought i thought four ultimate was already pretty much a a solid game so it's sort of you know it's it's held its own for the entire generation going through a full reboot in a way yet ending on a strong and starting on a strong so it's 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 a crazy series um it's just a shame i didn't get a chance to try generations in between but you know for, for monster hunter games the both of those titles are absolutely rampacked with with quests there's, there's so many monsters in them now that you'd be forgiven for thinking you you're playing you know like three three previous monster hunter games at the same time here then you've had all the in-between stuff you've had like monster hunter stories which i had a little bit of a hand on but yeah monster hunter as a whole it's just it's just gone all the way across and it's it's been sneaking its way in street fighter 5 with the uh with the cool little little armor sets and stuff yeah and, and officially um, may it continue it's, officially got a character in a crossover fighting game this generation which is pretty cool yeah um, and then to, to top it off it's sort of cheating but we already knew from from the end of the last generation that there was a new one coming to the switch and uh that's quite quite good too so i think shortly after this recording we're gonna have we're gonna have this continuing on and sneaking into the next generation already so uh yeah one point yeah I, I um I was very tempted to put Monster Hunter 2 because, yeah, it, it did go from that thing Japan is into that the West isn't into, no, it's Capcom's best-selling game ever now. 
Uh, so it was really nice to see. It's kind of like, you know, when you, you watch this weird niche TV series and then your friends are all like, hey, have you seen this? It's great. And you're like, yeah, it's good. Uh, it, it's kind of that kind of thing. It, it's very cool to see how much it's blossomed. And I think I think the one thing that really picks up on it too is that before you'd struggle to find someone. If you were lucky, you might find one single person out there in the wilderness to play with you. But now it's like because it's managed to catch on a bit, I I can boot it up on any format I please, and I will get a full party of four, likely oh, immediately. Yeah, uh, absolutely from from anywhere. <laughs> this is a series which has always been known to be like oh local play only here or. We're going to restrict in this case, or you've got to do ad hoc play on the PS4 to connect to someone else on a PSP and all sorts of rubbish, you know, rubbish sort of archaic things. And it's even though sort of like Ultimate 4 laid the foundations for making it finally properly online without any sort of usual Nintendo rubbish, it's kind of, a <laughs> you know, it's it's pushing further and further. It's also really nice to see uh, how, how much <clears throat> it exploded on um, streaming platforms. Like, now you can still find, yeah, I feel like watching Monster Hunter. You can just find somebody streaming Monster Hunter World, or you can now see um, big, big number channels talking about, you know, oh, hey, this is how you use a hunting horn, or this is how you use a gun lance. It, it's it's not no longer like one or two small YouTubers are just talking about Monster Hunter. Now it's the big guys, which is pretty cool. Yeah, true. True, true, true. I was hoping that in the streaming world I could watch myself playing games when I'm not playing, but I'd have to be playing, so I probably there's no point in me streaming things. Did there? we all do that as a kid? Did we all, you know, record ourselves to a VHS <laughs> player and watch ourselves play games? No. Oh. No, sorry. I was too busy playing games. I wish I had. I wish I had, but... <laughs> Six-year-old Craig out there crushing puss. I like it. Yep. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, moving on to what Monster Hunter used to be, which is a cult game. Um, let's talk about our favorite cult games of this generation. Go cool, on, then I'll jump in straight away because Astral Chain is a boof. That's that's a good new platinum game. It's a Switch exclusive, and it is a just fully fully on all the time. It's it's quite sort of mm, cross genre, cross action, cross. RPG across everything. So um, it's a really cool little thing and I, I don't think enough people would have picked this up because it's, there's there's a hell of a lot of copies out there I think at Amazon. But um, no, no, no I, I completely enjoyed this and get it. Yeah, and th- <laughs> this, is what, this is like one of the few Platinum games that I haven't played and uh, I don't think it's anybody's fault but I burn out on Wonderful 101. Like I did not like that game. So I've been kind of hesitant to crack into another platinum game. That and and Camille hasn't blocked yeah. me on Twitter yet, so I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> God. No, this is it's just a it's quite a pure sort of bayonetta style game where there's a cool bunch of mechanics, but it's never too much to sort of go, you know, get on top of you. And there's always stuff to do. It feels like there's there's just enough within reach to you know keep you playing, but there's it's just sort of just well crafted. So it's closer. It to, does God. feel. Um, no, no, it's so it's closer to like Vanquish, Bayonetta, like Beautiful Joe, Platinum than it is 
Okay. Yeah, it's it's nothing. It's nothing like Wonderful One Hundred One. Wonderful One Hundred One's its own thing. It's, eh, it's okay. 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 Good. <laughs> this is not. You know, but but no, this is this is on the right track. It's just sort of just a complete weird mix of stuff, and it probably gets that sort of aesthetic you you're likely looking for in cyberpunk a, a good while before. So it's a uh, yeah yeah, I'd give it a look. That seems like it's the rage for the majority of people out there. So I'm surprised people slept on this. But yeah, it's the best cult for a reason, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh- uh, personally, I, I constantly, until I Google it, get it mixed up with Demon X Machina, which is another one that I haven't oh, checked out. <laughs> I think I did play that on the Switch. I think you played it, the demo, at least, yeah. Was it the demo? I just seemed to remember something, and I was like... Rah. Yeah, I remember, I remember you kind of warning me off of it, of like, it's not like Armored Core. Uh-huh, oh god, no, it's not. Which yeah. <laughs> was a little disappointing to me. Uh, what wasn't disappointing to me was... My cult game, which is something that I spent a lot more hours than I normally do into this type of game. Uh, me and Grim just monstered Vermintide 2. Uh, Vermintide 1 was really good too, but you can tell it was still rough around the edges. It was a lot more Left for Dead than it wasn't. Uh, Vermintide 2 is where they almost feel like they're starting to come into their own series. Like, you know, they do things quite different than Left for Dead. Um, I've never had so much fun killing rats in my life. And that's about it. I mean, we... we, we Skaven. Yeah, yes, they're Skaven, Mr. Warhammer. But they're <laughs> rats. Um, I I know we we tried... We had a game night with the four of us playing... Was it one or two? Uh, good question. Maybe one? Maybe one? I think it might have been one. Yeah, wasn't one free on PS Plus or... PS Now. Like that? It was on oh, PS that's what now. it was. That's yep. how it had, yeah. Um, I, I'm very curious to see where this series goes. I'd love to see a... I'm way more excited for a Vermintide 3 than I would be for, like, Back for Blood. And part of that is because, well, it's Skaven. It's cool. You don't... There aren't a lot of games with rat people. And um, I, I like the their their version of the Special Undead. I, I like the way different classes all play vastly different rather than just, you know, everybody has a gun and one person yells, Pills! And another person yells, Got your pills here! You know, it, it, there's more differentiating things between them. So, uh, yeah, um, Vermintide 2 is very good. I, I really enjoyed it. Well, I felt like this was always another one that was too late to the game. You know, I'm always late to things at times. This was one that I just felt too late to the game for. But if 3 came out, I would I would jump on that in an instant. It was really better than Left 4 Dead. Fun for me. Um, For this answer, Luke uh, for Best Cult has Hotline Miami. My answer to this was Gravity Rush 2, which I know that all of you gave me... Mike, I can't remember if you gave me a ribbon for, but Luke and Dave certainly uh, did not did not hold back their dislike for my love of Gravity Rush and then Gravity Rush 2. I really, really loved those games. Gravity Rush felt great on the Vita and flying about the place. 2 just polished everything up, turned it into a, a bigger, better game with a great story. It looks lovely. It plays great. I just don't get why it's not more popular. Like, I kind of get, Dave, why you don't like it, but I don't get why it's more pop- not more popular. I, I've i got one guess, and that's probably by the um, sealed copy upstairs on my game <laughs> shelf. <laughs> um, it looks good, but I, I've still not yeah. opened it. Oh, it's just, it's just a wee... Uh, 
delight to play. The the core mechanic of, you know, like sucking yourself onto different surfaces and changing gravity. I love that crap. I love anything with momentum and having to, you know, like when you perfectly slingshot yourself across a map and land on the platform you want yeah. to, it's, it's like that. It's just ace. I think the only problem with that for me is it. It felt a bit fiddly. Like, didn't you have to use the touchpad to change the yeah, gravity direction? That's or the Vita did have some slight controlling um, foibles. Is that the right word? Mm. It had some interesting yeah, choices in how to control it. You know, a bit like games always use the touchpad and six-axis games or whatever the hell. You know, like you're throwing everything about at the oh. start of stuff. I think that was the Vita's fault. And, I mean, let's be fair. I may just dislike it because I'm absolute rubbish at it. I mean, that's always a possibility. <laughs> uh, I was not very good at Gravity Rush, but I, I, I didn't feel the impetus to put effort into it either. I don't know. Maybe I was in a weird spot. You know, I, I don't know. Moving on. Moving on. Okay, so uh, next we have one of my favorite categories because this is something that I, I genuinely like. Uh, and that's games that are defined by difficulty. Um, we, we've definitely moved out of an age of like unfair difficulty, and now it's just like a fair difficulty for the most part. Um, and this game really rode that line, and I've talked about it before, so I won't talk too much about it, but Sekiro. Uh, shadows die 987 million times before they get to the end and defeat the uh, the Demon of Hate, or Beast of Hate, whatever he was called. Um, this game is one of those... The difficulty isn't in the Dark Souls kind of difficulty where, oh, you must be paying attention at all times. You must watch things at all times. This is very much in the, <clears throat> say you think you're good at Ninja Gaiden uh, difficulty. Uh, it wants sustained perfection from you. You miss one parry, you could be dead. You, you know, you miss one leap, you could be dead. It's it's very precise. Um, and I very much enjoy yeah. it, but it wears on me after a while. So this is something that I've Never, I haven't gone back to it yet, and it's the first Souls game that I haven't. But I would like to at some point just to be like, okay, how would I really think about this? Yeah, fair enough. I mean, how how many times did you actually die in the end? Do you, do you An embarrassingly large amount. I I don't have the numbers, but it was hundreds. In yeah, it was it was probably in the two three hundred range. I died a lot. Ooh, okay, okay. I've seen a lot of people approaching sort of like the midpoint of that game, showing off showing off their quite proud totals of four hundred and fifty. Oh well, then it might be way well, higher. That... I, I am not good at Sekiro. Please don't don't get that impression. <laughs> no, that's that's fair enough. Is it? Do you think it's is it feasible for a normal player to get through it with um, sort of like an average level of deaths, which can make it still work out for the? Um, Sort of like backbone of the game because it, isn't it something about a sickness that keeps well, getting worse as you die? It, it, they kind of they kind of pulled. Uh, do you remember like what? Um, I can't remember the name of the company. I'm sorry. Like with uh, Hellblade, where people were like, "Oh no, there's permadeath. If you die too many times, it, you'll you'll die." Yeah. No, yeah. It, it's not really that big. The sickness is just if you die enough times, then merchants will start to get sick. If you then, in a large window of time, don't get the item needed to heal them, then they can die. But it's still only merchants. It's not like, oh, you you can't finish the okay. game now because okay. somebody died. Um, it doesn't cut off like side quests and things like that, or um, you know, I'm not sure. I don't think it would. I don't. I don't think it does because all the side quests are not like, oh, you go talk to somebody. They say, hey, go here and do this. It's kind of like Dark Souls side quests of like, um. Like, you know, uh, the guy in the onion suit. 
Yeah. Where it's like, oh, hey, if you happen to notice him at all these points, you get a cool little side quest, but that's about it. It's not an official side quest. Okay. But- uh, there are, as far as I know, there are no bosses that are locked off by it, no no areas, things like that. Mm, but it's not it's not feasible that you're going to go from, like, say, 500 deaths to suddenly only getting, say, 100 on your next run. Is that, would you say it's, oh, it's no, definitely well, difficult enough to be like, ooh, if I get through with 50 less deaths, I've probably done pretty good. <laughs> For me, yes, absolutely. I, I mean, of course, there's people out there on like Twitch and stuff that make me look like an idiot. But um, I mean, I mean, the, the the trickiest thing about it is it doesn't have that buffer. Um, it doesn't have the buffer where you can level up to out level something because there's no experience points. It's just what you go in with in the beginning is almost the move set you have for the whole game. You can buy extra moves and stuff depending on what weapons you like, but you can't boost your HP, you can't boost your defense, you can't wear better armor, you can't do that stuff to mitigate difficulty. This sounds like hell. It it was <laughs> very rough. And I mean I mean, not to bring the podcast down, but I, I was playing this when my mom died and my focus was so focused on Sekiro because you don't want to you don't want to think about you know what's going on. So I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, Sekiro gonna defeat. And even with ultra focus, man, I I almost cried out of relief when I beat the final boss. It was like, oh good, it's over, it's over. Um, it it it, it would be interesting to do for the show, but that would be a very very large ask. So I don't know if I'm ever um, gonna do that. I'm busy that night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy that month. But anyway, uh-huh. we talked about Sekiro enough. Moving on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, on, on you go. Oh, Unless well, you want me to go. I can my, go. No, my, mine's only basically a continuation, just being Bloodborne and being that. It, I don't think it was generally... I don't think it was anywhere near as hard as Sekiro by the sounds of things. as a... I think in the early stages I was sort of like beating my head against the wall a little bit, but I overcame it. And it's sort of like there's there's been quite a lot of sort of Souls games over the over the generation. Um, you know, you've got your Neos, you've got your well, you, what Dark Souls two. Yeah, the re-release uh, of one, two, and three. Oh yeah, I'm free. I'm free. Free, free was quite good, and I, I sort of it wasn't that bad to be honest. But sort of, but for Blood Porn, it was just sort of like. Um, it's nice being aggressive for once, but I think being aggressive sometimes sort of leaves you open <laughs> a little bit oh, too much yeah. in some cases. So it was, it was a very delicate balance, but it's something I finally sort of gelled with after after playing for a hell of a long time. I remember having a lot of problems with who's the um the funny slug man underneath the lake. If I remember. Oh, Ron. <laughs> Ron, Ron, the, the vacuous spider. Yep. Yeah, a little bit of a nightmare there. Um, but besides that. Wasn't generally too bad. I think I think we've been quite quite handheld throughout the entire generation. To be honest, I think the PS3 and 360 sort of period is going to be the point where where they sort of like finally brought back that that terrible "we will crush you" sort of thing and sort of I don't know. I do like how it seems like this gen. Um, it stopped becoming less of a selling point. Like you're right, PS3 and 360 gen. It was oh, our game's hard. Uh, now things are starting to slide that way towards it can be difficult if you want it to, but we're not gonna. It's it's not the selling point of the game anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, would you call it? What if I started? Ghost of Tsushima has a very, very, very 
like ultra broad spectrum of difficulty because it can go from lethal, which is one hit kills as soon as en- like an arrow or sword touches you, you die, um, all the way down to easy, which has a massive, massive flash of light that seems to last for five seconds for you to parry. And then on top of that, you can go into the options and turn on a less um, a less vigorous um, combat mode. But the, the lethal difficulty is flipping lethal. It's Bushido so Blade it's, mode. Jeez. Honestly, yeah. I'm finding like medium seems to feel like the best at the moment. I, I, th- um, I think that might be the best the best way to do it because uh, like yeah. taking for granted you're not like us where we play a buttload of games all the time. If you were like, okay, I want to learn this game, you could feasibly start easy and by the end of the game, move your way up to lethal. Oh, yeah. I think that's a good way to do it. uh, Maybe move up to hard. But it brought up a massive... There was a massive... Should Sekiro have a a difficulty slider? Yes. Yeah, I remember remember that. Oh, 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 yeah. That was very much (laughs) the the get good people getting pissed because Uh if I remember right, a reviewer used a trainer to get through yes. the end of the game. Um, I'm uh-huh. not going to have that conversation here because that's a big one, but that yeah, was what it was all about. Yeah. yeah we, we can save that for the Sekiro episode. Um, <laughs> of which it'll so just move, be Dave. <laughs> it'll just be Dave. Um, Dave. Uh, anyway, anyway. Uh, so uh, mine and Luke's choice is both the same for this. I don't know what re- Luke's reasons are, but mine uh, for Darkest Dungeon was it felt like a game that was defined by difficulty. This is a difficult game, but it's my kind of difficulty. Like, you learn how to play the game and you get better at it and you can level up your characters. You can figure out strategies for different types of enemies. There's different areas. You take different items. You do different... I like that because it feels very much like a difficulty you can overcome by learning the game. Yeah, it's a thoughtful Um, difficulty as opposed to a reflex difficulty. Exactly, and that's that's like right. I I could play that for days, and I just I've, I mean I've tried Bloodborne as well, Mike, and I got I got through the first week area, and then there's an area where you hit, and there's like a mob of people. You'd come off like a rampart, and there's a mob of people, and I just ran in and was like, and died. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like darkest dungeon. By the end of it, you feel like like when you look back. When I looked back to my first few playthroughs, and I played through it on like the iPad and dabbled with it for years and all this, you kind of look back and go, "Holy crap, I got good!" Like you can actually genuinely see progression in how you play it, um, and then ramp up the difficulty and go again. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it's the difference between soccer and chess. It's just like you can you can see oh okay so if I start well we did an episode on it like like once you start seeing the classes open up as possibilities for synergy that game just opens up and it's it's great. Yep. Uh, so no, not much more to be said. There is an episode as Dave says. So go listen to that if you want to hear us whittle on about it for some time. All right. The next up, we have the best game world. Uh, I'll start with this one just because I believe we talked about it already. Uh, mine is the world of the Witcher. The uh, Witcher 3 specifically, just because, you know, Witcher 1 and 2 wasn't this gen. Um, this, that, that's, that's, a, that's a world where I want more DLC. I don't care what it is. I want more DLC because I want more excuses to go back and just hang out in the woods with Geralt. And maybe, <laughs> you know, hang out with Dandelion. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care the reason. I just love that world. I love, I love the, that mix of really dirty, almost realism 
that it goes for uh, with with the fantasy being in the background that's kind of rare uh, I, I there's not much i could say about it i i absolutely love the world and the once you leave white orchard and you're like okay well that's got to be a good po- oh good lord this map is huge uh i and then you go to the skellige isles and it's almost as big uh i i absolutely love the entire world of the witcher so the elephant in the room is it does the netflix series satisfy your urge for that world or does that not have much to do with it at all no, it it doesn't satisfy. It does. I mean, it has stuff to do with it, but it doesn't satisfy. It doesn't feel like, uh, in a continuation. It feels like, oh, this is somebody else's interpretation of the thing I like. Right. Mm. right. Hmm. Oh well. Um. Yeah. Uh, moving on then. Luke for this has Red Dead Redemption Two. I think he went full cowboy and just started oh, living did, his life yeah. in the woods. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like making campfires and. Rustling bears or whatever the hell you do as a cowboy. Um, I mean, if you've got to love that game for anything, it's got to be the world because the rest of it's tripe. Oh, uh, for no. me. <laughs> rubbish, um, rubbish. <laughs> yes, it is, Mike. Rubbish. Yes, it is. That world is rubbish. <laughs> my um, my world, world for the for the first for the for the first time mentioned and for, for out of my mouth in this podcast, it's great. Uh, is Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven because I think the one thing that game did right very much was the world there's been I mean the game is great and I, I love it I spoke about it before in Game of the Year like the game's great but the world in particular is what drew me in it's just a very big densely packed full of life world you can walk the streets like you can fast travel but it's one of those ones where you don't want you, it's not like Skyrim you want to fast travel as fast as you can because you just want it over with you walk and you live the streets and you see things happening there's random encounters and neon lights it's just a beautiful place to be just, or jump in a car and just drive about a bit it's it's amazing um it's 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 great and it's got all the lore you can read as well much like the witcher you can go into a, a building pick up five leaflets and you're reading for half an hour going, oh, wow. It's it's very good. I haven't spent too much time in the world. Like, I think I've played like six or seven hours at this point. Uh, I agree. Like, like just on the basic level of, wow, this looks really cool. I, lo- I love the way it's designed. The way, the way the city is laid out feels realistic. And like, oh, look, this is where the sewer treatment plant is. Yeah, it makes sense. It's that far out. And and here's where, you know, the way the on-ramps and off-ramps, it all feels like an actual city. And I don't know if you guys have ever had this experience in real life, but if you're traveling to a new place and you're getting there by like uh, maybe a bridge or a long toll road or whatever, but uh, in Cyberpunk, there's a bridge you have to go across, a big old giant massive bridge, right? And just seeing the city and then suddenly, not suddenly, but you see it start to envelop your entire vision. You're like, oh my gosh, this is huge. Uh-huh. It's like in real life when you start seeing billboards for different places, you're like, whoa, I'm definitely in a different place. This It felt very cool. Well, that's that's the kind of same stuff that can be said for my choice, which is uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. And is a absolutely massive sort of world, um, pretty much following off the back of Xenoblade Chronicles 1, which had a sort of... It was the Bionis and the Mechonis, and there were two sort of big entities which fought each other in a massive war, and you would like the entire game took place over their two bodies. This time it's completely different. It's like a world which is mostly made of water, and then sort of like I don't know, you just change between so many different places, but they're they're just 
sort of well well realized they put so much effort in if you stop for any second you can sort of you'd think you could go into every building of course you can't it's a nintendo game they've not got that sort of budget but (laughs) (laughs) you know um it's it's just cool it's just just really cool there's there's places where like every character in the game you'll go back to the hometowns and stuff and see where they're from how their life differs you'll come to across places where there's like slaves held in the lower parts of the city all that sort of usual battle angel elite bollocks which which sometimes gets thrown into into sci-fi stuff but yeah i mean it's just it's just really cool it feel it brings back sort of memory of of like fantasy zone well, not Fantasy Zone. What am I on about? Fantasy Star Online. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> I was going to say you know, Fantasy Zone. That's, that's, that's a choice. You'll get weird mixes of, say, like an, an escalator which just runs all the way up out of the middle of a, a cornfield or something like that. And then you'll have, like... Uh, it's just it's just completely... Um, complete fantasy just, just thrown in your face. and it's, it's But the thing is, there's such vast grounds that you're sort of thinking... There's no chance they put this much effort into it, but somehow they did it again. And it's like every little random go round this corner, fight some enemies near a, some honey tree or some some rubbish like that. You'd be like, well, it's going to be a cool place which has like a pretty iconic looking barrier area at the start. Then it's got like a little, you know, it's sort of weird little feels that you can make up in your mind, and they're sort of just well realized. It's just like the first game, but on a on an even larger scale. So, uh, yeah, as as a world, it's something you can get into. But I know a lot of people, probably some of you guys, but also friends of the shows, have just not gelled with the game at all. So uh, it's going to be a hard sell. But as a world, I like it. Yeah, I, I got to pick it up. It, it, it's something that I, I bounced off the first one hard. And the whole time I was completing it, I was gritting my teeth going... Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, now that it's been quite a while since the first one, I'll have to give that another shot. Alright. Next up we have Timeless Art Style. Um Craig, why don't you go first? Because we have the same answer, and it's the only correct answer. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. I think yeah, so I will I will take on this, or might take certainly, I don't know what you think, Dave, is the the very literal definition of a this generation game with a timeless art style is Cuphead, because it is a timeless art style. <laughs> it's like obviously beautiful is this hand-drawn animated very old timey cartoon with all the character and bounce that you would see back then it is like it's a i keep saying it's a literal timeless art style and i can see from the answers in the spreadsheet that dave you and i went one way and look and mike went a different way with the answers yep um they're wrong this um, is the one you call the te- Tex Avery art style. Is that the- uh, no, it's it's before Tex Avery. Mm-hmm. It, it's Fleischer. Uh, so think like okay. Felix the Cat. You know the the rubber arm hose kind of mm. thing to it. Um, I, I think this is the dream that little boy Dave had of being able to play a cartoon coming true. Uh, this game, I have showed it to people who didn't realize it was a game. It, it looks beautiful and i'm sure that it is completely not worth the time and effort when it comes to how much you have to put into it but i'm very glad that somebody did it because this is one of the most unique games i've ever seen did anyone play it on the switch out of curiosity i'm worried wondering whether it held up in the port across 
I played it on PS4, but not on Switch. I only, I only have it on the two. I mean, and yeah, like this is the reason I bought an Xbox, and I never thought I would buy a literal console for an indie game, but I did, and I was so happy with, with the decision to do it. And then, of course, it comes to everything else. Did you say you played it on PS4? Yeah. I didn't even realize it was on PS4. I thought oh, yeah, it was just yeah, Xbox yeah. and Switch. All right, okay. Oh, okay. It was Xbox exclusive at first. Now it's everywhere. Yeah. I think you can actually get it on like your smart fridge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, you want to go, and then Craig, you can read Luke's. Yeah, my choice. My choice is going to have to be Thirteen Sentinels. It's it's probably the, the most recent game on all of this game of the generation list that for me and. I think it just it just gets in there. There's something miraculous about how vanillaware work. I think that um, I mean the the fact that this could have been 3D games or 2D games or anything like that it just sort of shows that if this sticks out there as time as 2D's 2D's still got a place in everyone's heart. So well, mine especially, but and you guys too by the sounds of Cuphead. But I mean, it's sort of like 13 Sentinels. And Vanillaware's output in total so, somehow straddles that really iffy sort of conundrum with art where you can... One bad move and it can end up looking like a bad Flash animation. And it's sort of like you can have, you know, uh, an, an arm which moves a little bit funny and starts looking like a, a puppet pretty much. And yeah, I was going to see that marionette look. Yeah, it's, it's, and that's, that's terrible. This. I've seen some games, I think there's one called something like Aegis Defenders or something like that. I can't remember. It's got a very similar, or it's uh, something yeah, Aegis, I can't remember. Protonovus Assault. Yeah, I finished it last year. <laughs> or this year. Oh, God. No, last year. Yeah. Well, you get a lot, you get a lot of games pop out where they, do, I, I don't think it is that specific one, but there's one which keeps popping up and it's like, you know, if the gun comes up in the oh, arm. Oh, is it Tokyo Xanadu? No. No, although I've not played that yet. I would, now that you've now you've won. Oh uh, yeah, there's though. there's one that looks like Thirteen Sentinels. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just that sometimes you can you can raise a a gun arm and suddenly the arm will just slide up on it to the side and it just ooh, it, it can look absolutely terrible and somehow they manage to get it perfect. It is it's complemented by beautiful backgrounds, of course, lovely sound. So as it's always going to be a full package sort of thing. But in terms of the art style, it's sort of like this is the one game I'm. I'm a bit peeved because they didn't release a art book with it, which I think they did do in in the states. So I'm sort of oh. like, yeah, I'm a bit irritated by it. But every time they release things, especially over this generation, that like you've had the Odin Sphere, Leifrazir, <laughs> we'll say that's correct. I I got the special edition of that, and it's sort of like, yeah, you know, it's beautiful. They just give you little postcards and all sorts with it, and nice fancy posters, and you just go. This this is this is the good stuff, and it it all goes back to like that whole Dungeons and Dragons Capcom thing where it's sort of like just cool looking art for the for the hell of it. You know, it's probably got nothing to do with the game at all, but at the at the point now they are actually getting the quality promo stuff pretty much into the game. So it's and it, it's going across you know like Steinsgate as well. That's one I mentioned on the last episode. It's got got lovely lovely looking art in there. So it's sort of you know, they're, they're just getting to that point where they can make the game look as good as all the um, all the development stuff. So, uh, yeah, long live 2D. Well, I, I like like Vanillaware is a, a very good thing to bring up, I think, because 
they might be one of the only studios that has a house style. Like everything from, you know, PS2 onward has kind of been in this style. And you've seen the style itself grow as technology's grown, but they still very much stick with that style. I think that's just quite admirable. So we're like, nope, this is what our games look like and deal with it. And it, and that, I mean, to, I, not to not to go too far. I know we don't have a sound, um, like a music category on this, but Bassescape, which are their sort of like internal music creators for the games now, they're, they're basically it's that uh, is it Sakimoto, the guy who does the music for like Final Fantasy Tactics and Radiant Silvergun and all sorts of classics. And it's it's amazing that they they can somehow manage to keep all that together as their own little sort of bespoke style now. It's a uh, yeah, it is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's very tired. So while I disagree with you on which game, I, I do think Vanillaware should be brought up in the conversation. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're very cool. Like NIS used to have that. They sort of used to have the, the house style, but even they've moved on from Saying that house that, style. I think it might not be 2D anymore, but Disgaea 6 is looking quite quite cool in a sort of chibi 3D well, I, I don't know. I think that's sort of cheat. Have a look at it if you get a chance. But it's sort of cheating the rules there a bit. It's somehow merging between them. Uh, wow. Oh, I didn't know it released this month. No, no. The, the, oh, it's the... not. It's not out yet. They've shown trailers, but it's like it is a 3D Disgaea game. But it it's almost like that Guilty Gear sort of cheat oh, where you think yeah. it's 2D, but it's actually 3D. Sort of. Oh, it's crazy oh man i'm gonna have th- thanks a lot mike i'm gonna have to clear off a good chunk now because this guy is six <laughs> is going <laughs> oh, man. but uh but hey I, I think i think maybe maybe luke should leave this one to me because persona 5 that's a that's a very nice choice too and a, a very brave 3d choice and i think well, it captures... luke actually messaged me and he updated <laughs> his choice from um persona 5 to center and kagura peach beach splash which... Oh, so he ditched the Galgan pick. <laughs> wow. no, um, yeah, he did. Sorry, Mike, interrupted you there, but yeah, he did. That's, yeah, that's, we, that's we, we all, like, we all, uh, there were some disagreements on, like, the finer points of Persona 5, but mm-hmm. on the episode, all of us absolutely dug the style. And it's weird, because, like, we, I think we said there, like, it's a style that isn't tech-dependent. Yeah. Mm. It's just literal good art design. That makes that game fun. And, yeah, it's, a, it's a timeless art style, isn't it? You could say it, it, in, <laughs> in 10 years, people look back and go, eh, the game looks rough, but boy, those, those menus. <laughs> Finest menus of the generation, easily. Absolutely. Fine. There we go. Uh, so, gentlemen, let's all vote on the best menus of the generation. Uh, Persona 5 is a pretty good one by me. <laughs> I, do you know what what bit of menu I really love? It's in super hot VR when you have to exit the game, you have to shoot yourself in the head. I always thought that was kind of kind <laughs> that, of effective. That is good. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's actually feels horrifying, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of little little games that aren't AAA developed, like Super Hot, or sorry, Super Hot. Uh, next up, we have the indie game that defined this gen for you. Um, I Luke and Craig will go first for this one. So um, Luke's got Streets of Rage 4, and I have put Heroes of Hammerwatch, which is a very recent pick. Um, my pick 
or my choice, like it's very difficult picking one indie because there's not an angle here. Is it the art style? Is it whatever? Is it what? But for me, it very, very well um, portrays that pixel art thing that's become so popular with indie games. But what it's done is it's actually made a really good game, a really good online game that you can play with people and is fun and nice. And it's just such a solid, it's a solid, solid, solid game that, like, I look at a lot of indie games and I go, oh, it's another pixel art junk fest. I bought it on the recommendation of Dave and we've been playing it together and I was wrong. I was proven wrong. So I just thought it's a good a good reason to pick it for this category. Yeah, it, it's, it's a pixel art game that makes the pixel art thing work for it. Like, I couldn't see it working if it was a different art style just because of everything that's going on. Like, uh, we, we also played Gauntlet together, which is, you could draw a lot of comparisons between Heroes of Hammerwatch mm-hmm. and, and Gauntlet. And with Gauntlet, when there's that much happening on the screen, things get muddy, things mix, blend into each other. It's visually hard to parse. Whereas with this, the pixel art makes everything very, very easy to parse. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think you're wrong because the game that defined this gen is The Binding of Isaac. Uh, in terms of the in indie games, not not the game. Um, this is a game that I think has had one of the longest tales I've ever seen for an indie game. Uh, it's still influencing games today. There are still things in development now that they mentioned, oh, you know, Binding of Isaac was a big influence. Uh, everything that did to kickstart the roguelite genre that has exploded in the indie scene, uh, I think is all thanks to Binding of Isaac. It's had a huge crater of an impact. I still like playing it today, and I have put so many hours into that game. Um, the, the, The only other one that I almost tried to cheat in here was a game that we've talked about, and I'm not gonna talk about it, but Shovel Knight. Like, Shovel Knight, I think, also had a huge impact on, oh, hey, look at what an indie game could be. Because... What's happening with indie games is kind of like what's happening with the App Store or Steam. You have one that makes a giant crater of an impact and then a whole bunch of people scrabbling to get pieces of that crater, you know? Um, But I I think Binding of Isaac still holds pretty good in terms of what it did to the genre. Sorry, I didn't realize we were allowed two choices for this, Dave. So my second choice... Oh, okay. Yeah, um, go ahead. No, you're not allowed to talk about it. You just say the name of it. Uh, in a bad way, in a bad way, you're, everyone's gone to the raptures, the what the walking simulator. This has been the generation of the rise of the walking simulator, and it's just so goddamn boring at times. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the, terrible the, to hear that the, from a man who like who loves Death Stranding as well. <laughs> well, yeah, and I adventure know, games. Was... I mean, if anybody's in the pocket for this kind of thing, it's Craig. <laughs> But, like, adventure games have a puzzle. Death Stranding had the occasional, you know, like, fish falling from the sky and bosses. Everybody's <laughs> gone to the rapture. It took you forever oh, just to walk somewhere. Dire. Dire. Um, Firewatch was another one. It's just, you just walk and nothing happens. Exactly. I mean, I mean, I, I again, I'm, I'm not going to open up the conversation to, to walk. We'll be here all day because we're, me uh-huh. and you are old, crusty people. Um, yes. But I don't think anybody on on the podcast at least likes walking sims as a genre, do we? No, unless Mike does. I don't think Luke no, does. Not really. I mean, I, I know Mike spent a little. Mike spent a little bit of time in the Dear Esther multiplayer, 
but I think that was just for the for the rocket jumping and the I did, kill yeah. counts. What was it? What happened to Edith Finch or something like that? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've heard that held up as the best of them. Possibly, possibly. I played Gone Home, which is like something you walk about a house and you figure out that she's not went home. Uni or something, you know, just like God damn it. That game no spoilers of course, but that game when I realized there weren't gonna be any monsters. Oh oh no monsters. Anyway, Anyway, Mike crazy, isn't it? My my game probably didn't influence anything at all. Um but it is the effect of influence. I, I think that um, coming on to the start of this generation, there was a lot of sort of things on. Well, first of all, let's let's not forget. Um... <sighs> Shit, I forgot his name. <laughs> let's not forget. Oops, I forgot. <laughs> let's not forget Shadow. Is it Shadow Mordor? Was that was that was that the first game that was set to be the sort of like everyone will copy this, and it never happened. That. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was quite funny. No, everybody realized it was just a Ubisoft game. Mm, pretty much. And then and then the other game, which of course they thought was going to influence a lot of other games, was well Demon Souls and then Dark Souls. And of course that has come on a huge amount, to which point it gets to a uh, my choice, which is Hollow Knight. Now Hollow Knight is not an influence at all on any other any other games out there because the fact is the biggest influence is just Dross, <laughs> apologies, <laughs> but ha- having one of the biggest benefits about Game Pass is that you are given access to every single indie game pretty much out there on the planet. And the truth is, a lot of these you will play for about four minutes if they're lucky, and then delete them. And luckily, the only saving grace is that most of them are less than say two gigs. But <laughs> but it's it's ridiculous. I. I I think the influence has just been Unity, the Unity engine. That's ridiculous. The, the amount of stuff peddled out in it, and the problem is, nobody seems to be able to solve the sort of loading problems with it. It seems like everything has so many splash screens at the start. It takes an age to actually get into a game, and if you're lucky, they're not all going to look like cookie cutters of the same thing. But Hollow Knight is my exception. It feels like a well, well-made, bespoke game made by a small team. I wouldn't give that any credit, to be honest, based off how big its team of development is. But I think more the fact that it's come out in a year where we've got things like Bloodstained, or a generation where we've got things like Bloodstained as well, which have come from quite, quite well-renowned publish, well developers. And then to see a small sort of, I think it's Australian group come through with a somewhat of a Dark Dark Souls sort of influenced game is is quite impressive. Um I think it, it represents the high bar for indie games and that's definitely it's something that I want I want to be continuing with and giving chance to because the fact is all the rubbish out there stops me from wanting to touch indie games in the first place. But um yeah. you know, you know, I think Hollow Knight does stick out as a nice nice little thing. And it's got enough individuality. That's that's a cool thing. There's there's always going to be people out there. Just I don't know. You can tell the difference between a cash grab and something that's actually had some heart put into it. And there's no more. There's more evident than in, in indie games. But uh, 
And it should be the opposite, shouldn't it? Shouldn't it be the massive corporation? Shouldn't Capcom be saying, let's put out some rubbish spin-off Raccoon City police detective game just to rake a bit of money in? Actually, that sounds pretty good. Mike, I will play that. <laughs> oh, God. Apologies. No, I, I know what you I mean. Like, 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 that was the promise of, oh, indie games. It'll be a breath of creative fresh air. And, and you know, we'll have cooler ideas that might not make a big game, but they'll be good enough for a small game. And then they all turned out to be roguelike and Metroidvanias. And they all use pixel art. And they all do the same thing. Um, I would like you to know, say about, about... Oh, God. Oh, you go fast. I was going to say about Hollow Knight. Like, like if you're a long-time listener, you remember when, when I... Played Hollow Knight. I hated it. I hated it. Um, I've come around a little bit on it. I, I've replayed it a little bit. And maybe it was just that I was trying to rush through it. I, I don't know. But um, I have a lot of respect for Hollow Knight. Uh, you, you're right in everything you said. And it's kind of the opposite. Whereas something like um, Binding of Isaac started a, a trend, a craze, whatever you want to call it. I think Hollow Knight is kind of held up as one of the epitomes of a craze, like like the Metroidvania craze. There's not many people I see put anything next to Hollow Knight in terms of this is one of the best. Like I don't even think Bloodstained hits Hollow Knight territory. And I like Bloodstained. Um, so I, I think it, it's kind of cool to see a craft almost be mastered in a certain genre of like, no, this is one of the best Metroidvanias, this gen. Well, it defines my gen for me as an indie game. To quote the question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking of massive amounts of effort, uh, this is kind of a circle jerk of a question, uh, but uh, your personal achievements, this gen, what stuck out to you? Well, mine's most pointless and, and uh, narcissistic. So yeah, I completed Shining Force 2 this generation. I I thought this was the first time I'd completed it. Roughly about five minutes before finishing the game, I realised I had actually completed this when <laughs> I was about 13. <laughs> and I just hadn't clocked, I hadn't clocked on that I'd, I'd finished it before. But uh, yeah, so it was a, re- a completion by accident. But oh well. The, still an achievement. <laughs> um, so Luke's got podcasting. Which I assume means that in one generation we've built a podcast empire from nothing, from the ground up. A massive empire. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously that's that's a thing to be proud of. Um, mine is a very, very, very specific thing, which was the whole um, Dishonored 2 Jindosh lock. So the level, you get a door, you can either do the entire level or there's a logic puzzle, but it is the mother of all logic puzzles. You know, like... Rose has a red tie on and Barry is drinking a whiskey with one cube of ice who stood on the cat's tail. That kind of logic puzzle where you need to fill it a grid. And I did it and it took me forever and I had like many, many scribbled pieces of paper all over the place, but it was so it was it was amazingly satisfying and I was very proud of that moment. Again, congratulations. Uh I have there's a, a guy at work that talks video games to me every once in a while and he I, I turned him on to because he likes Metal Gear Solid a lot, and I was like, "Hey, you know, you may want to try like something like uh, Dishonored too, because you know it's it's stealthy and it's it's fun." And he said he just got to Jindosh and he's been looking at the mm-hmm. lock, going, "Hmm, hmm." <laughs> so, uh, yeah, congratulations. Just uh, just for reference, quickly, 
do you, do you know when we discussed this? Because I remember it being quite cool when you when you told us about it originally, Craig. I, it would. I think it might it have been. Might was have it twenty eighteen or something like that? Yeah, it could have been like Game of the Year twenty eighteen episode. That's when I can kind of see it. Or ha- Game of the Half Year or Game of the Year in twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah that's, that's well worth oh, a read lesson if you get a chance. Yeah, oh, it was mm. good fun. <laughs> uh, when I got to the Jindash lock, I typed into Google how to solve Jindash lock, and I was very proud of myself. <laughs> I did some reading. Uh, no, I haven't done it yet. I, before I before I do resort to Google because otherwise I'll throw my TV out the Dave, window. Huh. Dave, you can't you can't Google it. It's randomized. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's randomized. <laughs> All right. So worst game of the gen, gentlemen. Uh, my mom was a dishonor too. Uh, Mine, of course, is um, my proudest achievement is cataloged in a long list of terrible episodes that nobody should ever listen to uh, about completing the Final Fantasy series. Um, it was something I've always meant to do, and I would always get like, eh, it's about Final Fantasy V, and just be like, I'm I'm pooped. Um, putting out those terrible episodes that, again, nobody should have listened to, uh, no backward psychology, that's honest. Please don't. Um that gave me enough impetus to to finally finish it, and I was when I finally put down fifteen again. Um, it was a very proud moment. That means absolutely nothing to anybody, but I was proud of it. You know what? You put so much heart and effort into those. I think people should listen to them just to hear the uh, the amount <laughs> no, of the amount of background songs you edited into those. That that was absolute. Perfection, and considering you you were quite new to editing at the time, I think it was, yeah, very impressive, an impressive feat. That's going to be you know top of the generation. So you beat beat the rest of us anyway. I can't well, see me um, completing those you, in, Mike, in five it. years. I wouldn't be able to complete the entirety of Final Fantasy games. For the most part, it was fun. For the most part, it was fun. Like you had some duds, but it was fun. Uh, don't listen to Mike; he's a filthy liar. Uh, don't listen to them. All right. So uh, next up, we have something I don't have an answer for because I couldn't think of one. And that is games that should be remastered from last gen onto this gen. And that's that's the generation we're talking about into the new generation of. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. What PS, what, you know, 3DS to PS4 okay. should be brought forward to PS5. Yours has kind of come true. It's kind of half come true. So, I, I mean, I might as well go first then. Uh, so, Hitman 3 comes out uh, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, Hitman 3 came out yesterday. And inside Hitman 3, jeez, need to time this well. Um, you can play Hitman 1 and Hitman 2. We always, you know, we spoke before we recorded about how IO will need to cock up the release somehow. Well, um, console owners can import Hitman and Hitman 2 into Hitman 3. PC players need to rebuy Hitman and Hitman 2 to play. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, so that's that's a wee bit of a mess. Um, but I, I was gonna, I was thinking a wee bit further than that. They've got this universe or the world of assassination, which is the current Hitman trilogy. So 2016 Hitman 2 and Hitman 3. I want them all in. New engine, glorious PlayStation Five optimized, where levels load immediately, 
and you, it's just like snappy as anything. But I want it to go all the way back. I want to be able to, in this world, pull in the old games and the old storylines and the old missions. And I just want a one and a complete universe of assassination. And good one lord, place. would you like the Earth moved a little to the left as well? <laughs> I, want, I mean, seriously, <laughs> I want. Well, you just asked a question, and it's like, what was I going to say? <laughs> what did you want me to say? I think this, I think they should like remaster the Order eighteen eighty six into PlayStation. 5. Give us sequel. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just I love my Hitman. So I've I've I'll have it digitally. I'll be able to import one and two and all the expansion packs and have it all in one place. But I want I just I'd love that so much that I would I would love everything there. I would love to hear you squeal like a little schoolgirl when that gets announced. So I hope that it gets announced. Anyway, uh, sorry about that. Just uh, to tag on to my answer, Luke's answer is all of the Final Fantasy games. So Dave can replay them, I assume. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Good. Well, uh, I, I think this, this is an easy one because thanks to the Capcom leaks, we already know about Ace Attorney and his ret- return to the Switch. So I don't need to worry about the missing untranslated ones but um on the untranslated front there is also valkyria chronicles 3 which is even as a lovely psp game um i think that would make a nice dual package with valkyria chronicles 2 to bring to a uh, new systems and i will that would be awesome hmm, i'd be all over it a lot of a lot of value for money there so uh yeah do it What's that? What's well, that yeah, phrase? No, I mean, Where does that phrase actually originate from? Somewhere I always see that on Twitter. They say "Do it, you cowards" or something like that. And I don't—is it actually from a movie or is it a, some sort of meme thing? I couldn't thing? tell you the origins of it. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it a bunch. It's but... a bit irritating. I don't like it, and I usually delete the person the second I see that. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, hold on. Do it, you coward. Is it? There we go. Okay. I don't know. I'm ready to tweet. I don't know. Okay, so so yeah, I, I kind of agree. Like, I I would love if if I'm gonna put a remaster for anything, it would be cool to see games that aren't widely available on a home console. Like, so yeah, um, if I had to vote on somebody's answer, actually, I would say Mike's because I, with a little bit of finagling, I can get all the Final Fantasy games pretty easy readily. But um, doing uh, what are they called IPS patches for PSP games is a nightmare for me. So, so Dave, I'm, Dave has selected Snatcher and Police Nauts dual combo on the PS5. <laughs> okay. Oh, yes. Well, my love for Kojima is loud and proud. Excellent. All right. Just because of that, that little bit of mouth and mic, it's time for the gut check question. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. So uh, first gut check question is, you know that scene in a movie where they play it for comedy where it looks like a giant meteor is coming down? And it's getting bigger, and now it's on fire, mm-hmm. and it's coming, and then it pulls back, and it's it's a little pebble that hits somebody's windshield. Yep. It seems like the summons that you <laughs> acting game? on at the end of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, except you know, instead somebody just wanged Sephiroth in the head with a rock at the end of it. Okay. Um. So, uh, your version of that for video games this generation? What looked like it was going to have a massive, massive impact, and then just kind of wet farted, just. <laughs> Uh, I'll start with my answer, mm. uh, and that is The Last Guardian, the game that everybody wanted, Whew. and then nobody cared about a week later. Hey, I got it the day it came out. It was good. <laughs> ish. Good-ish. 
<laughs> yeah, I was gonna say there's a lot of caveats generally when people talk about it. Um, the lead up to that game was like Duke Nukem Forever, Forever level insane, and then it just kind of hit, and people went, "Oh, yeah, okay," mm. and that was it. No, that's, so what about you guys? That's the, uh, I'm torn between two, but I'm gonna go for the earlier one. Um, I think Destiny was a bit, bit of a. Sh- <laughs> A bit of a shocker. It was sort of, bit of a shit show. Yeah, it's, you know, you know, Bungie, or they're not, they're not with Microsoft doing Halo games anymore. They're not the cream of the crop. And then suddenly they drop that, and everyone's go. Everyone was super excited. Everyone was getting a new system to play. Even Paul just, McCartney was excited. Yeah, and I, I bought it, and then I thought, oh god, what is this? What have I done? And I just spent enough. They made a Halo game. <laughs> <laughs> I spent enough hours on it to get back my investment of one pound per hour's worth of gameplay. And then I've locked it away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that that's something that I, I just never got this gen. I play, I finished, like, uh, whatever the story, I don't know what you would call it, the main story of Destiny, and I, I, I just don't get it. I mean, that might just be due to MMO background. I'm like, oh, yeah, guys, this is nothing special. But, um, yeah, mm. I, I don't get it. God. <laughs> Travesty. Um, I've, got an, I've got an answer for this. But it's it's a personal answer as opposed to a um, industry wide answer. Is that acceptable? As long as it's not, yeah, as long sure. as it's Anthem, Anthem. that's okay. <laughs> Fallout seventy six. I mean, Anthem. Would be, a Fallout seventy six was a very good, very good one as well. Um, in fact, both of those are very valid answers, aren't they? Come to think of it. Uh, Mine, no, mine for a, on a personal note was Doom Eternal because it was going to be massive and it's got Doom is amazing, it's going to be great, mm. and still haven't bought it. Like, I just haven't <laughs> bought And I was so excited about it, I was super mm. excited about it, and I still don't have it. I'm like, why? I, I, I'm one step ahead of you. I haven't, haven't opened it yet. <laughs> like, I've had it since close to release, and it, I, it, it's strange because, yeah, like, we'll be talking about Doom later, but. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah. And I think um, I've completed half of it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> All right, uh, so, so we're oh going through the three stages of grief. Well, uh, I think it. it I think it's a, a, a COVID-19 victim, isn't it? Wasn't it released pretty much just as everything started off? Yeah, it was March of last year, wasn't it? I think so. I think so. So it would have... Because I know Resident Evil 3 was like panics of... Will anyone be able to buy this? Is it even available in shops and stuff? And I think Doom Eternal was pretty much around the same same point. So it might just be that no one got the opportunity to buy the thing. <laughs> unless you committed to this evil thing called digital purchasing. I don't, I don't know. Because I, I, um, like my main source of this... Sorry, my, my source for this is Grimm. <laughs> and Grimm like, loved Doom. And he does mm. not like Doom Eternal. He said it's like more of stuff you don't like, less of stuff you liked mm. Doom for. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm curious to play through it though. I un- unlike Craig. I think he's onto saying something. Everyone, it might be because that's, that's kind of a sentiment I've heard quite a bit. Who wants to make up Luke's answer? Uh, okay, so Luke said Fallout seventy six. There we go. Okay, um, <laughs> Luke um, and myself. It so happens we were really excited about Fallout seventy six, like hype levels. <laughs> through the roof and I don't think it so much landed like a pebble it actually landed like a meteor in quite a bad way it was a big bad launch it just was not what anyone wanted or expected it was a broken expensive shit game it was a shit show 
of a of a release to the point where things were getting released for free. There was a billion updates at one point. It just all it all fell. There was a thing you could buy that didn't work when you bought uh-huh, it. Yeah, <laughs> it just there was so much wrong with it. It just felt. I'm so happy that it wasn't like a direct sequel. Like I'm just. I just I'm writing it off. It never happened because I love my Fallout, um, but this just didn't happen. I mean, Luke, that was all Luke's words. He's written it down for me, um, and I've just read oh, them out. He brings up a good point. Brings up a good point. I'd say. Mm-hmm. All right. So getting back to the list, the most influential game this generation. Yeah. Um, my myself, I have it down as PUBG slash Fortnite because. Without those two, we would not have a giant genre of game. Like, they came down with with the impact of, like, boom, and then battle. everybody was doing Battle Royale. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of it. I like some bits of Battle Royale, but it's something I can't really sit down and I'm going to plunk 45 hours into this. It's just kind of, a, oh, okay, I'll play it. Uh-uh. Um, uh-uh. But, yeah, so no personal impact, but, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I feel the exact same. Right down to, like, Worms Rumble we got last month. It was a bit like... Yeah! Uh, it's fun enough, but nah. It's not not for me. Kids I mean, it. my favorite is probably Tetris. Like, I really enjoy the Tetris 99. That, that's a lot of fun. And it, it's cool that even this late stage in... Uh, late stage, of course, being a relative term. In game development history, we can still come up with new genres. That is that is pretty cool to see new genres being invented, um, yeah. but yeah, it doesn't do much for me personally. But it has had a huge impact, and uh, good for them. I think I think it's cool as well because it, it sort of it does push things together. It's all about great visual fidelity in the games. It's about networking. It's about bumping up that player count to sort of mag levels that we've heard about in previous years, but never really got. <laughs> um, and it. And it and the thing is, one of the really great things about it, which is which has pushed on, is it's thanks to pretty much the battle royale genre that we've got cross platform play. I'd I'd pro- pretty much wager. That's a very good point. Mm. And finally, we can play Nintendo against Xbox, against Sony, against PC, against Android, the way God against iOS. <laughs> well, the list should have stopped at maybe after about the fourth one there, but you know, oh well. <laughs> No, all inclusive. It's good. Good way to be. Mm. Um, um, Luke, Luke's answer for this. I don't think he read the full question. I'm not sure, but his most influential game is multiplayer stroke Game Pass. Uh, <laughs> I can't say I've put much time into that game. Um, looks really nice. Uh, yeah. Timeless art style. I think uh, defined a generation at a twist. I could maybe maybe he's going for the like Netflix of games. Angle, like Mike said in a couple answers ago, you know, you can get access to every indie game. You pl- you dip in and out, you play one for 10 minutes, you're like, ah, it's That's made games quite... Game. Thro- I know, it's not a game. I'm tr- it's, it's a game changer, isn't it? It's yes. basically stopping you from... You know, those, those little £13 Pokemon Moon purchases suddenly become, maybe this will pop up on the free service, maybe I should... Strap down on the wallet a bit more. I don't know if strap down on the wallet's a term, but I've kept coined it there. <laughs> yeah. No pun intended. But yeah, <laughs> it's just, I don't know. For me personally, I look at things and I go, well, I've got PS Plus. I've got the Epic Games coming in. I've got Game Pass. It's it's a crazy time at the moment. And, and one of the biggest biggest um, monetary games to play is, is whether you buy anything, full stop. 
Uh, yeah. Hopefully it won't go the route as uh, Disney Plus where you have about 15 different platforms and everybody's got their own platform and you have 19 different subscriptions. I'm hoping it doesn't go that way. Yeah, and the other horrible thing is the implications on physical games. Like This, this looks like stage one of just wiping out my beloved collection. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm building a bomb shelter, <laughs> but I may be building a bomb shelter for the inevitable fallout. Something seventy six. Something did occur to me the other day, though, which is which is quite crazy. Which is what happens down the line when we get to PlayStation Seven if they don't have disc drives as a start, and suddenly all those people who've been buying digital copies since the PS3 come back of a vengeance, saying, "Oh, you can't play your disc games; it doesn't support discs anymore." I honestly don't think if we're taking this. As a base to start from, I don't think it's going to matter too much. The only people that really care are people like me, you. I mean, I mean, because even like Craig and Luke don't really care. I, I've got a couple of physical games that I keep because I like them. I've got Metal Gear Solid Five. I've like I could name them in a bullet point list of a few. <laughs> uh, uh, that's that's you know, the thing. Dave's Dave's shown off his PS4 collection. It's yeah. like. Two rooms high, isn't it? As a building, <laughs> it's a very, a, a very narrow that bomb shelter. <laughs> it's two floors. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I don't think it'll be any different than you know when we went from NES cartridges or, or uh, Mega Drive cartridges to Sega Saturns. Like, not too many people cared, and the people that did care just bought an extra Sega Genesis or Mega Drive to, so they have ones so just in case. You know, the apocalypse hits, yeah. they could still play their Terrican. Mm-hmm. I don't think... Fair enough. Well, I'm just thinking in, in an upgrading future sort of way, it's it's going to leave dip physical out in the cold at some point. But, uh, oh, hey, yeah, it's going to have to. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm causing the problem myself. I bought a Series S, didn't I? So <laughs> <laughs> I shoot myself now. Um, but hey, influen- influential. So for me, this meant something completely different, and it's just that... <laughs> I think Metal Gear Solid Five, The Phantom Pain, is a game which, you know, started life coming to the PS3, the 360, the PS4, the Xbox One, the PC, the whole lot. And it's and it's that point where Konami were just going, we need a new engine, we need to push forward into the new generation. And I think from that point... It seems like what if they did engine wise? Because this engine then went around like Pro Evo, it came to PT, I think, as well. I think PT yeah. uses the Fox engine, if I remember right. But it's just that sort of visual style has seemed to be pretty much the basis for every single game over the generation for me. Those type of shadows, those all the technologies in this game seem to have sort of permeated through everything. Seems like you can't you can't unsee you know weird flickering shadows on the underside of a horse's back passage or something like that. There's all sorts of crazy stuff. The way you you get a visual pop in on stuff, you know, um, level of detail pop in, all that sort of stuff. Ways all the sort of physics, every everything about games for this entire generation seems to have sort of like been started by that game for me. Seems like I can't. It's, it's sort of a, a game which defies the generation in a way. It, you can't believe it was released so early in the generation, yet it still looks very similar to, say, something like The Last of Us Part Two for me. I think there's just so much visual makeup in there. 
and technology wise it just seemed to have pretty much everything which is which has lasted through the generation so i think as a single game i can pick loads of bits out of that game in in almost any other game the generation apart from probably slay of the spire which i don't know where it gets its influence <laughs> from <laughs> magic the gathering hmm but yeah, I think that's my argument for it. Um, I can't say I agree with you, but that's fine. But I will say uh, Metal Gear Solid is probably a uh, five. It is probably my favorite Metal Gear Solid game, uh, hands down. Like, it was uh, going from not really caring about Ground Zeroes, which I did buy, and felt ridiculously foolish afterwards. <laughs> but I have it on disc in case anybody needs to play it in 20 years. Um... To I wasn't expecting to enjoy it, and I did. I mean, I think there were some problems with it, but uh, overall, that was probably the best Metal Gear Solid game for me. Well, not to spoil things, but it's the start of a long-running theme. Yes. <laughs> 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 so you know, you know, you can take me off for the rest of the the podcast, pretty much. But um, my favorite Wii no. U exclusive was <laughs> Metal Gear Solid Five. That time Fantasy I watched Nine. the Metal Gear Solid Five trailer <laughs> through that wonderful <laughs> web interface. Um, okay, so did you go? No, yeah, you went. You went, Craig. No, no, I didn't. Hey, did? No, I didn't. Mm. No. I know, let's, but I was trying to cover go. the tracks. Shut up and talk. <laughs> uh, so my most influential game is back to that, what, I think along the same lines as what you were thinking, Dave, I went with Pokemon Go because it was the game that thrust gaming into the hands of grannies around the nation and, you know, like folk walking about and getting run over by cars because they're too busy trying to catch a Pokemon. Kids from, like, three-year-olds trying to play Pokemon on their crap Amazon tablets through to, like, a hundred-year-old people getting their hair cut. <laughs> everyone at one point was playing Pokemon Go. Like, everyone was playing Pokemon Go. I was in the office, and there was folk that organised regular... There was a, a Pokemon gym up at the, at, at the, the the real gym on campus at the uni. And they used to go up, and they used to sit, and then they'd wander along campus, and they'd, they'd go Pokemon hunting on their breaks and stuff like that. It was just... It was just explosively huge... And it really did put gaming at the forefront for a lot of people that it wouldn't have before. It, it was oddly a killer app for something that didn't need a killer app. Yeah. <laughs> who would have thunk it? Like, who would have actually thunk it? <laughs> Just I, like, I don't... <laughs> Personal note, I've never played Pokemon Go because I, I've never had a cell phone that didn't flip out and have buttons to push for the, the buttons. Um, I'm very interested to try Pokemon Go at this late juncture <laughs> in life. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, like it was something I always looked at. I was like, boy, that'd be really interesting and fun to play. Just never, never had the opportunity to. Um, so yeah, props to what is it, Niantic, for like not only doing that thing where Nintendo wants to make sure they're not the cause of your death by making you move, and also just making a killer app literally craig's right though i i remember going out on my lunch i was working at some uh i was working in some part of oxford and uh it was like an old person's area pretty much where the biggest shop was a few charity shops on the the high street there and um like i'd go to this bank and i'd I'd take over the gym i'd beat it and then i'd see other people watching me and on occasion i'd even say hi you're not the 
Pokemon out of this gym or things. And it was really... And, like, you'd walk around the corner and you'd go and do something and then you'd look back and you'd see the person go and stop outside that same bank and you're thinking... And get their phone out and you're thinking, you little shit, you're about to take over my bloody gym. I, I've been fighting for three days to win that bloody thing. And it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. I mean, I fell off quite quick then, but it's... Uh, initially, the first few weeks, it was madness. You, you knew what people were doing, and you, that that shuffle, that shuffle really sells it. They sort of bump into people sideways. Normally, it's a head-on collision or a shoulder, but sideways collision. That's a Pokemon Go player. I I I don't want to sell the idea too much, but is this like the the next? Well, I should say the, the second genuine video game craze. Like Pac Man was a big deal, like a huge deal. And is this like the one where no everybody was playing Pokemon Go like everybody? I can't think of anything else that comes that close to like mainstream. I just remember seeing an old, did it. old man who strapped like eight phones to him and walked around in Japan. <laughs> did you ever see that? Yeah. It's like devices to hold all these phones around him so he could do multi catch. It's like oh, it's ridiculous. I bet he wished he had eight arms. That's crazy. But yeah, Dave, you're you're right. <laughs> it did genuinely feel like one of those moments in history where everyone aligned. Yeah, it's pretty, it was pretty cool to live through at least one of those. Because, yeah. I mean, Pokemon was close, but nowhere near what, what Go nah. did. Nah. There's still UK players here getting pulled and, and uh, fined by the police for breaking the rules of lockdown by going out to play Pokemon Go. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> seriously, it's crazy. Alright, so now that Craig is done... Mm-hmm. And I was kicking myself for not thinking of Pokemon Go before <laughs> PUBG, so it was a good choice. Uh, the next up, we have the most genre-defining. Uh, it doesn't matter what genre, just it defines the genre. Uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but uh, for me, that's Doom. Um, Wolfenstein made a big impact in terms of, whoa, look at this. This is Wolfenstein's cool again. But Doom 2016, really, ra- nope, this is what first-person shooters have to be from now on. You have to hit this base level of just frenetic action. Um, corridor shooters, doesn't matter. As long as you're this frenetic, it's going to be great. So for me, Doom defined what a first-person genre shooter should be. Um, for me, uh, my uh, stealth game last week, Hitman 2, is my pick for this answer as well because I really do feel like it defines the stealth genre. It's not just about sneaking in shadows and hiding and I'm hiding more and I've got to wait until that vision cone moves so that I can hide over there. You are changing what you look like. You're changing your role. You're becoming a different actor and you're really, really hiding. We always say hiding in plain sight. It's it's a different kind of self. It's stealth. It's like very open and it's open to your own interpretation of what you want to do. So there are a million and one different ways you can kill that guy stealthily you can make it look like an accident in so many ways the game is built for this but at that same time it has the lovely if you get caught it's also kind of fun to just run about and shoot people so it 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 plays it well i think it plays it well for me it's the stealth is just it's peak stealth or well, considering my you can choice. shoot them on the head <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, I feel I feel like I've messed this up now because my choice was going to take on stealth and be the definitive <laughs> version of that. But I think mine will be the definitive action adventure game. 
<laughs> <laughs> or open world or it could it I I think it I think so Metal Gear Solid Five, The Phantom Pain, I think it could choose from multiple genres and say, I definitively own this. Mm-hmm. I am the I am fear incarnate. I, I would still there make an argument for stealth. Yeah. Because they're two very, very different stealth games. Yeah, if if it wasn't for it, like those two teeter on a balance of stealth for me, because the Metal Gear Solid stealth is so per it's so perfect the way the way you play that game, like if you play it stealth if you want to, it just it owns it for me. It's just that Hitman is purposefully that, whereas obviously Metal Gear Solid you can ride into town and just start shooting folk. <laughs> Of of which it does well as well. Uh, who would do that? Uh, who Dave? Who would do that? Who would do um, that? Um, I'll, I'll do uh, Luke's for this one is uh, Breath of the Wild, and I'm guessing he's shooting for the open world action adventure. Um, no, let's make Ubisoft look bad genre. And in which case, I absolutely agree with them. Like like Breath of the Wild was hands down the best open world game. All right, next up, uh, before we get into our systems, the last question is the best new series. Sorry, I paused there. It wasn't that Come important. On. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, I thought it was going to be a big news. I'm pretty sure everybody can guess my answer, but it's Neo. Um, Neo. I've said it before. Yeah, Neo. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I was a big fan of Crosby, Stills, Nash. But once they added Neil Young to it, uh, I think it, it really added breadth to their music writing ability. Uh, Neo is... Oh, sorry, Neo is one of the best new series this gen. It, it's one that I'm looking forward to more than anything else uh, in terms of I want to see a new entry into this series. I think it outdoes Souls. And it's absolutely fantastic. So uh, I'm curious to see if Elden Ring... Maybe knocks that off for me, but to me, this is the best of the Souls-like genre, and it is hands down, and this hurts to say, it is Tecmo Koei's best franchise. Uh, Dynasty Warriors is, of course, a close second, but yeah, Neo, Neo is top dog. Um, so Luke for this one has put Divinity, but I'm assuming he means Original Sin, because Divinity is a really old series, as we all know. Uh, yes, yeah, that, that's a good point, Craig. Thank you for bringing that up. Very welcome. That's a very good point. I assume because of reasons I said already, he loves it. Loves it. Uh, my choice for this was Horizon Zero Dawn because I did love that um, series. I am looking forward to the second. Like, when I played it, I just wanted more. I loved the lore. I loved the way the story went. I loved the world. I loved... I, I just... I really loved that game, so... She was great in Monster Hunter. Yeah, actually, yeah, very much. Um, uh, uh, did you play the Fro- Frozen North? Is that what it is? No. Fro- North Wild, Frozen Wild, whatever gonna, it was? As soon as I know the date of release, because I don't think it's got an... I think it's still a TBC, unless something's changed in the past few days. Um, I'm going to replay it. Like I've done with Hitman, I've just blasted through Hitman 2 before Hitman 3, so I'll replay it just before Horizon Forbidden Planet. Whatever the hell it's called. Forbidden West. Forbidden West. <laughs> Frozen West. West. Horizon <laughs> Westworld West crossover. Exactly. This would be great. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, uh, obviously, the best series of the generation, the best new series, has to be the Metal Gear Solid 5 series, Ground Zeroes <laughs> and Phantom Pain. Uh, <laughs> one, two no, points. Uh, it was a good one. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Splatoon. Splatoon. I think this is a series... 
Born on the Wii U, brought to the Switch, and it's a series which has consistently so far knocked out the park. Um, very original, very beautiful, very musical, very playable, very multiplayer. Very fresh. Very fresh, very fresh indeed. Um, yeah, I, I love everything about it. I think visually it looks right up my alley. Yeah, yeah, you can't go wrong with it. I, I think more people should get this because I know not enough people on this podcast have got it. And considering I, I, I followed the lead of Dave and Grim on getting this on the Wii U, uh, at which point you guys had already absolutely destroyed it. And <laughs> I was coming in to pick up the dregs and I sort of still had fun with it. I spent 30 or 40 odd hours with it. Uh, I ended up basically playing on my own after a while because no one else was playing it anymore. We'd moved on to probably like Titanfall 2 by that point, I think. But um, when the second one came out on the Switch, I suddenly thought, you know what, I'm going to jump on early. And I I rode that crest alone. (laughs) (laughs) And now the game's pretty much dead. But I think if a Splatoon 3 was to come, it's it's a very quick series as well. They're releasing these quite quite quickly, which is good. That shows that it's definitely something that's going to stick around for a while. But uh, Splatoon 2, still really good. I'd jump on it. And uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I kind of agree with you. Um, I think Splatoon is is one of the better new IPs out there. And the fact that it comes from Nintendo, the people who make one new IP every time, I don't know, a, a total eclipse happens. Um, I, I think it, it's fantastic. It, it kind of falls into the odd world category of, no, I love the way it looks. I like the way uh, it's completely original in its gameplay. I love the characters. love everything. I don't really want to play it, though. Um, I So, yeah. I can absolutely see it. I, I, I like Splatoon. Those, the inklings are pretty cool. All right. So we have one last get, gut check question, which you kind of got a warning about at the beginning because we don't want a podcast full of uhs and ums more than usual. Uh, that is your New Year's resolution, gentlemen. I don't know if you remember your last one, but mine was to finish Okami, and by by God, I did. Um, this year... Um, since Craig roundly trounced me in the Who Can Play More Artifacts Monday games, <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to try a different tack. Um, I'm going to try to have a low total this year. It's not anything groundbreaking. Uh, it's just, all right, instead of, because, boy, you get burnt out. Like, I probably the last five years with 77 plus games per year, Whew, you get burned out after a while. So this this year I'm going to take to kind of just recoup. And if I spend 100 hours on Crash 4, I spend 100 hours. I'm not going to feel pressure. I'm not going to try to pressure myself into, come on, you should be playing other stuff. Let's go, let's go. Uh, I'm going to try to avoid doing that. So you're saying it's all not about time. Um, It's it's about time to make it about time, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Uh, that was um, a better pun. Yeah, so what about you guys? What do you, uh, what do you guys want to try to accomplish this year? Uh-huh. I want to go back a few years to a point where trophies started. Um, don't know why there's so many pauses in my speak, but I <laughs> consistently pushed myself right to the top of the uh, the trophy leaderboards, and over time, I've slacked. I've slacked to the point now where I think out of our group, I'm probably close to the bottom, and I think that needs sorting out, and I've got a huge stash of as I've already said, sealed games still waiting upstairs. And I think I need to concentrate on the PlayStation this year and get my title back. 
I don't know how far behind I am. I'm going to guess maybe one and a half thousand trophies. But I think I can do that with these. So that's my plan. Uh, it, it will be curious to see. I, I'd like to see more games start taking advantage of like the in-game trophy uh, walkthrough. Like, oh. I'm curious oh. to see if that makes more people engage with uh, trophies. It's great. I played through Sackboy last week, and Sackboy is really well implemented. At any point, you can press the PlayStation button, and it'll say, you're here. Your nearest collectible is over here. Do you know how to get there? If not, watch this tiny wee video. It's really neat. It is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Craig, what about you? What is your New Year's resolution? Um, I'm not entirely sure at the moment. Uh... I've thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And last year it was like, oh, let's just get more trophy. It was trophy orientated. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know, what can I say? I think this year I just don't care. I'm just going to sit and chill. I'm not going to worry about any one thing. I'm going to play the games I like playing and just sit back and chill. Because it has been intense. It does get to you, right? Like, like busting through everything to try to get to the next thing. It gets to you. Oh, definitely. And it's not, uh, it's not like, like, I've not not enjoyed it. So the whole adventure game, I love playing those games and figure it But see, when you start looking at collectibles and you find yourself looking at, oh God, I've missed that collectible. I need to go to a walkthrough to figure out where it was. I just, there's something about that that ruins, it leaves a bad taste at times. So I haven't, I don't enjoy that side of things. Like I can remember doing San Andreas Perils. And I remember that being an absolute and utter... It's, that was ages ago. Oh, I just remember you this year playing Detroit Become Human until you wanted to punch David Kite oh my God. in the face. That that genuinely was the turning <laughs> point of me thinking this is a hor- it was a horrible, horrible thing. It was just a horrible thing to do. I don't want to do that again. No, so nobody should ever play Detroit Become Human. Uh, now... Let's get to the fun ones. Uh, these are our top picks for each of these systems. Um, let's start with the probably the oldest. Yeah, I think it is uh, the 3DS. And this, this one this is a uh, oh, god. Okay, yeah, the 3DS is an absolutely amazing system. I, I absolutely love it. I still don't play enough time at. My choice straight out of the gate is going to be Monster Hunter Four Ultimate, which I've already previously discussed. Still good. One pound ninety nine Argos. Wow! <laughs> if you can get you it, you could say that's that's the game that brought us together. Except for the oh, other two people on the podcast, wasn't it free? Old was it? Was it four? It was, was it me and you for three, but then it was me, you, Grim, and Carl for yeah. uh, for you, and that was where we kind of solidified as a, a group. Carl, um, uh, on this pick, I am a bit of a cipher. Um, since I like to bore my wife completely to death by talking about these things with her, she uh, threatened to kill me if I didn't put Fire Emblem Awakening because otherwise I really wouldn't have anything. I don't get along very well with handhelds. And other than Monster Hunter 4, that was pretty much all I really played on the 3DS. So Fire Emblem Awakening via my wife. Fair enough. I uh, Luke, for a start, had A Link Between Worlds, which I played and absolutely loved. I thought it was a, a cracking, cracking, cracking wee game. Um, for me, I put Fire Emblem Fates because I just really enjoyed that. Uh, probably for the same reasons. And, and you, sorry, you hate Professor Layton? No, I don't hate Professor Layton. It's just, <laughs> uh, I don't. Why didn't I put a Layton game? 
that's that's what I mean. And that's what Kelsey was constantly going. Oh, do I want Leighton? Do I want Fire? Do I want Leighton? Yeah. Uh, so that was a conversation we oh, had too. Leighton was the other big pick. While we're on fates, can can I just quickly say? I I know I'm gonna bring it up again and say all oh, my special edition blah blah blah. But did you complete all three versions of it, or or did no. you just do do the one in the end? I did two. I did the birthright and the other one, but not the Conquest. third. Conquest. Conquest? Yeah, birthright okay. and conquest, but not. Not revelations, revelations, yeah. Like um, okay, yeah, good, cool, good, cool, fun cool. times. I didn't like my 3DS in the end, specific to that game, I suppose, because it started really hot in my hat, like really hot in my hands. I was just getting repetitive strain. I just oh, it hurts my hands like crazy, so sore. So I, I had to give it up in the end. I've still got a DS and I sit and potter with that, but I, I really can't play it for very long. That's why Leighton works so well for me and is actually my 3DS game of the generation is just all the latent games that came out this generation <laughs> um Mike you, you remember the circle pad pros things that we bought for playing Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate I enjoyed that I enjoyed that although I did get a new 3DS XL in the end and that's that's lovely uh, that's lovely. what we got too but mm-hmm. that one hurts my hands, so I ended up taking my old Circle Pad Pro, taking it to the machine shop that I work at, sanding it down so I could fit the new 3DS XL in there, just so I have a larger grip. Wow. Uh, wow. And that's uh, there was one or two bosses on Luigi's Mansion that my, my wife couldn't do, so I was like, all right, let me slap this sucker in there and crunch it in there. Uh, yeah, I can't hold those things in play for the life of me. Yeah. Oh, I, I could re- retreat to a desert island with a 3DS. I've got such... That's the biggest stockpile of getting pile of shame games that i've got and it's 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 a lifetime that's that's an extra lifetime that 3ds i wish i get a lot of good rpgs man like that makes me sad how many good rpgs are on the 3ds that i'm probably just never gonna play and when you get atari and odyssey and uh, the bloody every other thing persona q and (laughs) oh it goes on bravely default yeah yeah i've got all of them i've not even touched any of them they're lovely (laughs) (laughs) Uh, next up, we have that that system that, by golly, it released, everybody hated it, and it died uh, very quickly. Uh, the Wii U. Um, probably Nintendo's most embarrassing thing since the Virtual Boy. <laughs> yeah. I kind of still have affection for mine. I still keep mine hooked up, and I still play it time to time. It's weird. It's, it's Nintendo's like Dreamcast, Dreamcast. It? Yeah, yeah I was just going to say that. Yep. And, but unlike Dreamcast, it had a whopping monster library of so little, but what did come out was massive. I mean, there are a lot of really good Nintendo first-party Wii U games on there. Uh, mine, of course, Super Mario 3D World. I think that might be one of my favorite Mario games. I go flip-flop between that and Galaxy, but man, that is that is one of my favorite Mario games. Oh no! It's a it's a toy co- a coin toss a toy cost <laughs> a toy cost. It's, <laughs> it's a coin toss of about probably about twelve different really good games on the Wii U, but the Mario Galaxy, um, not Mario Galaxy, Super Mario Three D World <laughs> is the exact same thing for me. Although I don't think I'll pick up the the Switch enhanced version because I've you know I've I've done it. I've absolutely monstered it. I haven't done it with all four characters, but I've done it with two of them. Yeah, I've got all <laughs> the stars and. Rosalina and all that stuff. I'm curious to see about the new content, but that might be one of those wait till it drops down to discount price for which Nintendo is like $40. Uh, I also have Super Mario 3D World for my answer for this, oddly. (laughs) 
Um, it is incredibly good. I can actually definitively say it's my favourite Mario game. I don't. I don't need to flip flop between that and um, Mario Sunshine. Uh, just really, really loved it. I've ranted on about it before. Don't need to again. Um, it is. It is one of the only games that I. I think would I would be willing to play four player if all four of us were in the same room. That would be the one I would pull out and go. All right, guys, let's see what we could do. You know, it, it's it's the only Mario game that I've thought about doing that because I don't know if you ever played uh, multiplayer Mario. It's a car crash. Yeah. It is awful. It <laughs> looks pretty lovely in the promotional videos, though, doesn't it? Looks absolutely. <laughs> it lovely. does. They really make it look fun, and then you play it and you want to kill each other. I've, I platforming with the kid is just the only the only reason I can tolerate it is in something like Little Big Planet or Sackboy. You can just pick them up and actually run them across the majority of the <laughs> game, and then just throw them off the side, and just you're done. Um, looks. Oh, I see. My my daughter's the. Uh... The uh, must always be in a cat suit. Must oh God. always oh, be. No. Yeah. Is that the person who keeps going to the power blocks over and over and faffing about? Uh-huh. And <laughs> yep, uh, yep. Does she do micromanagement of them as well as like a, a off, off, um, super special and stuff? You know, you uh, get no, the... No, no, t- that would be giving her too much credit. She oh, just God. wants to be in a damn cat suit, damn it. Jeez. <laughs> um... Luke's answer for this is Mario Kart 8, which is fun. Mm. Mm. That's very, very close. Very close Mario Kart Infinity. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. uh, uh, Yeah. The only reason I didn't pick it is because I do think the Switch version is the better version of it. But that's the only reason why that was kind of out of the running for me because 8 is. I don't want to get into that, but that's the same argument. I've avoided the Switch version, but I think think, I'm going to leave it. I'll leave that, but yeah. All right. Next up, we have the newest of Nintendo's offerings, the Switch, which uh, has mainly been my wife's gaming system. I haven't spent too much time except for when <clears throat> Monster Hunter comes out on it. Um, and that, of course, is my pick, Monster Hunter Generations. Uh, we have talked a lot about Monster Hunter, so I'm only going to say that is the perfect send-off to the old style of Monster Hunter. Um like every monster is in it. It's ridiculous. It is so much fun. About the hours spent on it as well, I see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I spent a good. Uh, luckily, Animal Crossing wasn't out, so there weren't any physical altercations <laughs> over who's going to use the Switch. But yeah, it's good. Perfect, perfect. So I, I went with um, over the moving house period, I had three main games I was playing on the, the Switch, which were Odyssey, uh, Hollow Knight. And, of course, the big big hit here, Breath of the Wild. Uh, this is my favourite game, and it, it lasted me for months and months. I just sat there with it uh, in a little, little room with none of my belongings, pretty much, apart from just the Switch. A Switch and a Vita. A <laughs> Vita? Yeah, yeah. Don't I spent... cry for me. Good. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, this is you know it's a perfect game. I I'm struggling to wonder why I haven't nailed every single topic so far with Breath of the Wild, but you know it's popping up here and it's it's got it's it's definitely uh, in high rankings for me. Best Switch game. Um, Luke's best Switch game is Fire Emblem Three Houses. So he wouldn't be wrong as well. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, we see we seem to have a trend. That is a wee bit of a trend. Uh, my Switch game was going to be Breath of the Wild as well, but I think I'm going to change it to Ring Fit Adventures. 
Yeah. Fit is really good, yeah. right? It's something I never, and I'm genuinely doing it. There's some, something I never thought about because I was thinking game, 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 game. But I was lucky enough to have a, a good, robust shot of Ring Fit Adventures, and by golly, it's fantastic. <laughs> like, it's quirky. You've got a ring, and you have to squidge it and run, and you strap a, you know, a moat to your leg, and you're doing all this random stuff. Do you stuff. lube it up first, or do you just go in? No, you just like, straight dry. and dry. No, that that's the optional <laughs> heartbeat sensor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I... <laughs> I I think it's really great, and it's it's that along with the you know that cardboard expensive rip off cutout stuff is a labo yeah the labo stuff it's just a it's a really nice different thing so I'm gonna say that because if you're gonna pick a switch exclusive at least go big <laughs> and as a or go unbig mm-hmm. maybe you're trying to be unbig uh, as a ringing endorsement my wife it does it pretty much every day and she's lost twenty five pounds. Wow. Wow. Like it, it puts you through a genuine workout, surprisingly. Mm. Craig, what's so twenty five pounds in normal weights? <laughs> oh, you mean in moon weights? I don't know. Fourteen hundred stone. I, I don't know. Which idea? Forty dollars. It's about forty dollars. Um, yeah. So, so I'm very surprised that a game is is making her work out mm-hmm. that much. She's a sweaty mess afterwards. So, yeah, it, it's pretty cool. All right, so now we get to the big boys, right? Like um, these, these, these were the hardest to come down on. Which exclusive I thought was was the best? I thought because the rest of them are pretty chunky. Do you want me to, do you want me to just say Half Life Alex for VR because it's the only answer in that entire row? Okay, yeah. So first, let's talk about VR. Um, VR has really only clicked with one person on this podcast, uh-huh. and uh, that would be Luke. Sadly, he's not here. <laughs> Um, so, so Craig, you're the only one that really loves yeah, VR. So I mentioned this on the Game of the Year. I just think it's worth bringing up again that Half-Life Alex is an absolute shit. Like if you said at the start of the generation, like seven years ago, you will be playing a new Half-Life game in a virtual reality environment and it will be that immersive that you will be scaled, excited, exhilarated. You'll be so happy to be doing it. You wouldn't, you would never, you would never think, yeah, whatever, like VR has just exploded, and Half Life is the the peak of games on V. It's a games game as opposed to an experience, and it's just fab. Uh, full stop. On that VR note, the only thing I'm really looking forward to in terms of VR is if Resident Evil Eight is going to have a mode, mm-hmm. and Hitman Three. Very yeah. curious about Hitman Three, but uh, yeah. PS4, otherwise, I four not a PS4. huge fan. Oh, what really? Yeah, PS4. Um, you can play the backwards compatibility mode and do v- PSVR on Hitman 3. And into oh, okay. right. Hitman's 1 and 2, because they're supported inside it. But oh, yeah, not, that's right. You could you could do it. But only if you play the backwards compatible version, yeah. which is technically included with the PS5 version anyway. Okay, uh, so it's it's just a downgrade pretty much. It's not You have to buy a separate thing. Yeah, yeah, they give you the PS4 version when you buy the PS5 version, I believe. Okay, so that you can tap cool. into that if you need to. But yeah. Um, All right. OTL. Mike, actually, have you had any experience with VR this gen, really? No. I've been. Uh, Craig knows that I've been asking little questions here and there in, in the, our secret chats over the week. Um, I've decided to sit on the fence a little longer, but I got mighty tempted to pick up a. A little headset. 
Was that a Quest as 2? As per usual. With a cheaper I cable recommend. to go with it? I was thinking <laughs> of. <laughs> but I'll see. I'll see. I'm going to wait. 300 quid's quite a, quite a gut. Yeah. Gut it's a new really. system, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's chunky. I don't regret it, but I haven't got my money's worth out of it yet. Let's put it that way. That's what I'm worried about. Um, yeah. And I've thought, I mean, like, it was to the point where it's like, yeah, like, I know I want to try Super Hot in VR. I definitely have to play Pistol Whip because Craig won't shut mm-hmm. up about it. You should. Which is a great endorsement. Uh, it's just I haven't got around to it yet, mainly because it's, it's, gi- it's a giant pain in the butt to set up for PS. Like, no lie. It's, it's a lot of cables running everywhere. All right. So, best exclusive on the PS4, guys. Arguably where most of us called home this gen. Uh, so, Loop for this one has Bloodborne, which is... A very good PS4 exclusive, I'm led to believe. That is a very good pick. Yep. Um, I have Horizon Zero Dawn, which you can now get on PC, but at the time, whatever. <laughs> uh, for aforementioned reasons of, yep, good, good, good exclusive. 40-year-old game now, too. That's that's strange. It's crazy, yeah. Um, I have God of War. Uh, because much for the same reasons like Final Fantasy VII Remake, they took something that was dead and invigorated it with so much life, it's now as exciting as a new IP. Um, I I am very excited to see God of War 2, uh, Ragnarok, Ragnarok, whatever they're calling it. Uh, I'm very excited for it. I think it's hands down the best exclusive in a, on a system that has been nothing but whopping good exclusives. Um, yeah, so... In my veins, please. Yeah. It's my, my <laughs> biggest regret, genuinely, or one of my biggest regrets of these past two episodes is I don't have God of War anywhere on my list. And it's been in several of the categories several times. But I'm just, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it's such it's such a good game. So I, I agree. And I, I'm lacking in originality. Uh, I like God of War too, but probably not as much as my choice, which is The Last of Us Part 2. Which is, yeah, it's very close runner for Game of the Year uh, last year. The year just gone. Um, but yeah, it ticks all the boxes. It's the it's the long, long waited for, not needed sequel. <laughs> and yeah, yeah it, you know, Sony have, have hit so many exclusives that you you pretty golden to choose from probably about I'd say about ten different brilliant exclusives for the system. Um, but yeah, I think Last of Us Part Two takes it just because it's does it right. Does it right? It's it's very very polished. It got you know you get a lot lot of your money. Uh, yeah, it's it's naughty dog. It's it's their best game of the generation. I am um, I'm surprised none of us pick. I mean, I know Craig, you're not a big guy, but I'm surprised none of us pick Spider Man. Like that game was really. There's a lot that I'm surprised nobody picked. But yeah. again, you have one choice. So, I think there's a little bit of a bias about superhero games, which puts them in a place of like fun for a while sort of factor. They they can never be on a. I don't know. I don't know many superhero games which are made game of the year list. Really. Certainly not Avengers. <laughs> yeah. um, Spider Man was good, but it had that weird creepy guy in the cafe. So I was just yeah, <laughs> old creepy guy. <laughs> I think even um, Batman, even Batman comes very, very close, but I don't think it got it just about. I think like when Arkham Asylum came out, or when uh, Arkham Knight, or Arkham Knight, yeah, yeah, very, very close, but just missed out on it. 
I think Spider-Man does, isn't there, isn't at that level just yet, but close. Uh, next up, we have a system that many people that I talk to think I'm antagonistic towards. Uh, I, I don't hate the Xbox One. I, I just think it didn't have much to offer me this gen. And I mean, and that's, that's true for most gens because I like a lot of Japanese games and Microsoft just can't seem to crack that. Uh, other than Blue Dragon, which was an embarrassment towards all. But your favorite Xbox One X games, guys. Uh, arguably, oh, wait, are they second or third place? They're probably third, right? Now? I think so. Yeah, distant third. I think they're uh, a bit ahead of the Wii U. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they even beat the Vita, to be honest. I don't know. Maybe they might have. I, 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 I'll get mine out of the way, I guess. Um, I bought the system for, like I've said, for like two games. Uh, one was Cuphead and one was Rare Replay. Um, I happened to buy, I think I have a total of like 13 Xbox One games. So not a, not a big library by any stretch of the imagination. But um, between Cuphead and Rare Replay, I think I got my money's worth. Uh, both of those are fantastic. But I think Rare Replay might win for my, well, if I just bought this, yeah. Yeah, that's fine with me. Um, I'm not even a big fan of Rare games, but to see that amount of love and uh, dedication put into, you know what? Let's do Blast Core because nobody nobody ever wanted Blast Core. Um, I, I love all the little things in it. I love the presentation. I love how even though Rare isn't the same company that, that is the Rare that we all like, except me, um, they still manage to just jam-pack Rare charm into stupid things like the menus and the, the the sound sliders and they did it in such a way where that is now the definitive way to play any of those games and uh, I appreciate that quite a bit I really enjoyed Rare Replay fair enough fair enough it's, it is a good collection um, but I, I mean I, I bought the Xbox One purely for the purpose of playing two games which were uh, Forza Horizon 2 and the original Titanfall and at a last second switch around, you know, the truth is I was umming and ahhing about whether it was going to be Horizon 2 or Horizon 4, which made the list today. But I've decided to bin them both and go for Titanfall. Now, <laughs> 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 uh, apologies, this isn't on the sheet. And the thing is that, that it's just like there was so there wasn't much to go along with for the entire generation. I got a bit hyped up by like the Master Chief collection and things like that. And, and then I realized I was playing the same game I'd played years earlier anyway. Um, I don't know. But the thing is, the original Titanfall is, even if you play Titanfall 2, it's worth having a look at the original because the original has what I'd think, in some cases, are some better maps across across the multiplayer well, it is just purely multiplayer, to be honest. The campaign is not much more than a few little voice lines in the background as you play in multiplayer matches in a set sort of order, going through a, like the the ten or so original maps, I think, or eight original. The brink maps. formula. Yeah, but there's there's something a bit stronger about it. And I also played like the three sixty version, which was which was really good, surprisingly. Um, but when I finally got it home to the Xbox One, I was like. Yeah, this is this is what I want to play. This is the sort of exclusive I'd like to see. And then, of course, year after year, it was just uh, you're gonna want to play those original two or three games again um, until finally we got I'm iterations. Gears of... didn't, 
yeah, go get, higher for you. So now you're a big Gears guy. I don't mind Gears, but the truth is I did not have much more fun with, say, Gears 4 or 5 than I did with Gears 2 or 3, to be honest. Or, you know, I'd probably say I had the most fun with the original. And playing through the ultimate version of that, which is essentially sort of like an upgraded sort of remake, um, I'd... I only got the same buzz I got years back, and it'd be it'd be dissatisfying That's putting, fair. putting that as my uh, game <laughs> game of the generation. But I think <laughs> Titanfall One is is a special thing, and especially when when it all came back with Titanfall Two, and you know we realised how good it is. Sort of like I think there's still sparks which were a little bit better in the original, so it's worth having both just to uh, just to experience that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, and I'm, I mean. Um... I, th- I think it... Well, Craig, why don't you go ahead and answer um, yeah, first? Uh, so, well, I'll answer for both uh, Luke and I. So Luke's answer was um, Gears 5 because because Gears of War. It's good. He does like his Gears, mm-hmm. which is perfectly cool. Uh, and my answer was Forza Horizon 4 because between that and Motorsport, I kind of liked the more arcadey, open roads, wind in my hair type thing. I, lo- I mean, I love a Forza... Anyway, it's probably my favourite racing series. Um, other than the Formula One series, which it turned out is really addictive. Don't get, don't start on only Formula to One. you European people. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's super addictive. Um, but I, my, my Xbox One, I played Forza, and I played. What else did I play on it? Uh, Fallout New Vegas, Oblivion, and Mass Effects One, Two, and Three. And I, I, maybe that's. Everything I played on them, I can't remember what else I played. It was such a limited run on that game, uh, on that system. That f- it's lovely for backwards compatibility. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, like, that's its shining point. But if a shining point's that, it's sort of like... Well, eh. I, I think, um, like, since we've done all the big three, I, I think that Xbox is the case in point of... No, people say they care about backwards compatibility, but it will never sell systems. Uh, uh. Like... It's only important to a point, and to put 100% of your weight pretty much behind backwards compatibility is awesome. It's great. I love it. But it won't sell systems. And they've they've used their tricks too many times. The whole Japanese deal thing, it, it never fully works out for Microsoft, does it? You, you get to see through it in the end, like what, Dead Rising, Jet Set Radio Future, all these sort of things which are most likely just going to get an improved and enhanced PlayStation version well, I, I think, here down the line. I think some of the problems with uh, Microsoft approaching Japanese, and uh, I am not an expert on this at all. This is some dumb guy in New York. Um, is they keep trying to make Japanese game studios make games that will appeal to their audience instead of doing just, hey, Japanese developers, make a game that you want to do. Like the way you want to do it, don't don't try to make it because that was the big problem for a long time was they kept trying to appeal to West and once they stopped, everyone was like Japanese games are great again. So I, I don't know. Um, out of those three, out of the three big ones this year, this year, geez, this gen, um, would you pretty? How would you rank them? I mean, I think we're pretty much on the same boat. Uh, just of the three. Yeah. Well, I think 3DS is still a very strong system too, but I mean... Um, You'd put the 3DS with the big three? I think I'd put the 3DS up near the top, yeah. 
Really? Okay. All right. Well, you know what? Hold on to that then, and we'll we'll do a stupid little ranking thing at the end. Okay. Because um, the next one up, we have um, arguably PlayStation Streamcast, uh, the Vita. Uh, I have absolutely zero answer because I bought mine to play PSP games. <laughs> I think everyone did. <laughs> I I got mine for a, a a brief while. I did play quite a good chunky amount of games, and I think both Luke and Mike's answers are better than my answer. Uh, but I wanted to pick <laughs> I wanted to pick something different for this one, so I went with Uncharted: Golden Abyss because for the first time it felt like I had a fully fledged you know action game in my hands it was it didn't feel like it was a handheld game it felt like it was a fully blown great game in there uh that that was pretty much the only reason i just remember being amazed by it thinking wow this is this is actually in in my hands i'm not a big mobile gamer by the way just just to be clear like across the board yeah i remember feeling that way for the psp versions of god of war games yeah. and it was like wow this is like a re- oh wait i don't really want to play this on a handheld yeah I'd, oh, well, I'd, oh, I, was the, I was the exact same I, I wish i wasn't playing this on a vita i never had a psp I, <laughs> it's like i wish i wasn't playing this on a vita <laughs> yeah. oh well so anyway. amazing that they gave away pretty much every vita game through ps plus in the end i think they got to a point where they were just like going we're just gonna have to give them every single vita game <laughs> <laughs> um but. Yeah, Luke's choice for this then was Persona 4 Golden, which was just phenomenal. I played that back-to-back with Persona 5, and I lost so much time to it. I, I did get the crippled hand effect, and I had that was at the point where I just had to give up with anything mobile gaming. And when I say mobile gaming, uh, I mean portable gaming, obviously not mobile gaming. Yeah, I played, I played the Vita version on the PS TV, so it wasn't too bad. Yeah. Cracking game. I mean, between four golden and five, I think I prefer five for the general. Yeah, same here. Um, the general feel of it. I know Luke prefers four for the story and the Scooby Dooness and the general kind of craziness of it. But but yeah, at that point, it just does pretty much comes down to personal taste, yeah. like oh, like absolutely. which just vibed with you more. I feel terrible with this because I I bought a PS TV, I bought a Vita, and I bought a physical copy of. Persona 4 Golden. Then when I realised that I'd want it as a digital copy too, I bought that on the cheap and I've still not spent any time on it at all. <laughs> I completed the original. I I pretty much bought a Vita wanting to play Persona 4 Golden. I've, re- I've really not touched it at all and it's, it's ridiculous. I don't know why but, I mean, it's out on the PC now as well. So <laughs> It's I, ridiculous. I, I mean, the reason is probably the idea of replaying Persona 4 sounds great, yeah. and then when you finally start doing it, you're like, oh boy. Oh, no. oh boy. That's uh, fair. Uh, and, and that shouldn't deter me. I played Persona 3 and 4 back to back originally. Um, oh, God. It, because Persona 4 had just come out, and I managed to get Persona 3 Fez, and I, I, I was like, oh, I've got to play the new game. But I thought I'll play 3 first. So 240 hours later, Jeez. I'd done the lot. <laughs> yeah, if I have to see Tartarus again, I'm going to scream. Oh, God. But, yeah, that leads me on to what choice I did have, which was uh, probably the cream of the crop of, of what's left after Persona 4 Golden, which was um, Tearaway from Media Molecule. Mo- Media Molecule, even. Yeah. Media <laughs> <Not> Monocle. Media <laughs> Monocle. 
and uh, yeah, this this was excellent. This was a it, it, it's a company who was pretty much just known for Little Big Planet. Uh, of course, Sumo Digital took over. I think number three, but when they got to the Vita, it was like they just wrote it as a as a love letter for that system. You know, it uses the internal internal camera, it used all the touch pads, used the touchscreen on the front, it used the microphone, it used it used pretty much everything. And uh, being able to see your little face looking in on the game <laughs> from the sun is it's absolutely lovely. And it's <laughs> I don't know what they did on the PS4 version because I did actually get that through PS Plus at some point, but I've still never played the um, the slightly re- potentially yeah, slightly remastered version. But I'm sure it's lovely. It is lovely. I've only played it on the PS4. I know like Luke loved the the Vita version as well. It specifically mentioned the face in the sun thing. It is kind of just yeah. it's it feels like it's without that and without a few wee interactive bits, but it's it's solid. It's still a solid game. Well, that's still and then they made dreams. Uh, dreams is pretty. Uh, decent. You never know. Like it's it's pretty. It's not. It's like it, dreams is one of those things I don't hear about, yeah. right? But when I do hear about it, it's about something really cool. Yeah. It was like it was, something... it was like a meteor that was heading towards Earth for the game, <laughs> and then it, somehow when it landed, it turned into a pebble. They're funny. They're funny how they're good at making good good games. Yet yeah, when I ever see Medium Molecule, I think I would. I don't think I'd, there's a chance in hell I'd ever get on with any of those folk because they seem they seem like <laughs> the Greenpeace of video games makers. <laughs> it's it's good. It's really good. Tearaway. Tearaway is pretty good. Um, I guess if I had to make an honorable mention, there was one Vita game that made me smile, and that is Frobisher Says. Okay. So there, my pick is Frobisher mm-hmm. Says because it made me smile. Frobisher Says. <laughs> Frobisher is a bro. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we have come down to that moment—the moment where we realize, by golly, we've been recording too long. Yep. We need to get this done. So, the best of the entire generation. <sighs> the best of the best this is the game to where if you could only walk away with one game from this generation this would be oh it. well now that you frame it like that I want to change my answer <laughs> oh well hopefully oh you'll choose gosh, the same as me that's what that's, that's, that's what the whole point of the best of the gen is yeah but I took it like the best of the gen like if I was stuck in a desert island I would rather have a different game but the absolute best game of the generation is different from that uh. game you know you think? Yeah, for me, yeah, yeah. Or put it this way: okay. it's where if your systems broke, this would be the game you would miss the most. You know, um, for me, it's very simple. It's Monster Hunter World. I nothing has clicked with me as hard as that game has. Um, arguably, which is weird, right? Because I have put nine to five job work hours worth of time into that game, and I'm still not very good at it. There you are. And I, I no, no, compared it, like, I can't do the whole, oh, I'm just going to go in naked and then, you know, take down Valhazak. I, I can't do the, I've played this for 2,000 hours, uh, things that people can do. Um, I still struggle against some monsters sometimes. I still die sometimes. I still triple cart sometimes. Uh, this game will, and I, it's something I don't want to get better at. In terms, I don't want this to turn into a speedrun game for me because every hunt is a fun new experience. And then Iceborne comes out and Tigrix is all like, oh, you think you're good. And then it just kills you. Um, it is a game that is full of constant discovery for me, even after 2000 plus hours. Um, 
I should be playing it right now. Like I should say, screw you guys. I'm going to play some Monster Hunter. I, I absolutely love Monster Hunter World. If I was to finally invest in Iceborne, would you accompany me? Because that's the only thing that's put me off, that you've raced ahead and left, well, left I lost all my the save data. guildies. <laughs> when, I, when I switched from PS4 to PS5, my Monster Hunter World save data, which was at like 1,300 hours, is now gone. So I get to do it all over again, which is a great time to pick up a new weapon that I don't really use. Uh, so I'm excited to go through it again, but it'll probably be after Rise. Like, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't want to get my fill of Monster Hunter through World and then Rise come out and be like, well, I'm still a little full kind of thing. So for me, waiting for Rise. And once Rise is done, t- I'm absolutely going to go through Iceborne again. All right, fine. As a, as a, as a, as a medium level agreement, then, I'll, I'll get a copy of Rise. There we go. Done. Resolved. All right. Hmm. But, um... Best game of the generation, then, huh? I wonder what mine could be Absolutely. because I think I may have alluded to it multiple times. But uh, Frobisher says, <laughs> "No, it's Frobisher says too. That's slightly better." Um, no, I mean, Ghostbusters Remastered is a remake. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, <laughs> there is only one game I've ever bought. Oh, actually, shit. There's two games I bought the art books off. There's one game I bought the strategy guide off. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I was never going to use the strategy guide, I only bought it to look at the cool little um, postcards which come in it from the from the artist, Yoji Shinkawa, who does the, uh, the beautiful art for, of course, Metal Gear. And, um, yeah, Metal Gear Solid Five, The Fountain Pain, is my choice of the generation um it's a game which evolves over peace walker which was kind of the hidden hidden gem in the metal gear series um yeah and this this takes all the best of that adds to them bunches load more on top of it basically my my partner can't see me now without thinking of that summer where I was playing the man who sold the world <laughs> in a in a helicopter about five million times. That, that song is in great. I think I know every single lyric to that song. It's, it's not too bad. Kurt Cobain tried to, but you know, and I, I think it's originally, <laughs> is it originally a Bruce Springsteen song? I can't remember. I don't know. See, the song I associate the no, most no, with David, it is Here's David, to You. There's David Bowie as well. No, no. Yeah, I'm getting mixed up. I'm getting mixed up with Blinded by the Light, I think. But, um, yeah. Blinded by the Light was Eddie Money, I think. Oh, we're getting lost. Anyway, classic rock talk <laughs> is done. Mm. But, yeah, yeah, it's it's just it's just amazing. It's, there's, it's my most played Steam game by a, a huge margin. I have the PS4 version. I got all sorts of things around it. Um... It's exactly the same as Metal Gear Solid 4 where I went in the first day going, I need to have this game, I need to get a new TV, I need to get a PS3. Everything, I would have done all that again for the PS4, but I was in a very fortunate position where I got it uh, before it even came out. So yeah, yeah, but that's what I was waiting for. Now I've got it thanks, thanks to PS Plus and Games of Gold about 1,600 times. <laughs> but, uh, and I'm going to play it again at some point, definitely. I have one question for you. What's that? Do you miss David Hayter? No. 
No, uh, I don't think Kiefer Sutherland's... In fact, I don't think Mal Gear's ever going to return, to be honest. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's such a sad state. It's ridiculous. I only hope that Kojima, Kojima can do something. You know, maybe... The thing is, I, I like a lot of stuff. I like Snatcher, I like Police Nauts, I like all sorts of all sorts of rubbish. Baktai? Eh, it's not bad. It's not bad, to be honest. It's not terrible. No, it's not, it's not bad at all. And you know what? The the funny thing is, I don't want this to be my, my last comment on it, but even Metal Gear Survive is okay for the fact that it's using the same engine as Metal Gear Survive. Oh, you're, you're going to get burnt at the stake? <laughs> I'll cut you out. Don't worry, man. I've got your back. <laughs> I will say Left Alive is a better Metal Gear Solid than Metal Gear Solid. And no there, chance. Mike, I'll be burning right next to you. Jesus. <laughs> um, so... Just to swiftly move on from this controversy, uh, we're going to lose listeners, guys. Uh, Luke uh, has uh, Divinity bye. Original Sin 2. Uh, for obviously the reasons that he hasn't mentioned, but we have mentioned for him, he just plain loves that series. And we'll mention again. Yeah, uh, We have an episode in two months of it. So In the works. It's in in it's the in works. works. We're going through our respective playthroughs. Yeah. Let's call it four months for me. I'm just going to ignore that. Uh, and my answer for this has now <laughs> changed quite dramatically because because of the framing that's been thrust upon my body. So in the wee spreadsheet thing, I'm going to actually do this. In the wee spreadsheet thing, I've got Dis- Dishonored 2 or Near Automata because I couldn't decide between both of those. But now that you started and phrased the question differently, I've got... Nice way to get three picks. I like Love this. It. I'm going to say uh, Hitman 2. Because if I were stuck on a desert island, or if I was stuck in a desert island, I would want to have Hitman with me and blah. It, it is a game that I can lose. The person or the game? Uh, the a Hitman, I'd rather just be shot in the head and ha- have it made look like an accident. <laughs> you wouldn't want him to be all like, there's a problem with the palm tree. <laughs> and then you can be um, like, okay, all right, I'll go over there. That, that, that game for me, this generation, has completely revolutionized that the series for me. That, like, Hitman as an IP, I've always loved. And there's something always felt a bit off about each release, or there's something went wrong. You know, there's there's been controversy or something over everything, including Hitman 2016, but it, Hitman 2 just brings it all together so perfectly. So, roll on Hitman 3. Oh no, it came out yesterday. Crap. Crap. Um, <laughs> no. um, it is strange how nobody's copied Hitman. Like, even the old ones, there's not really been anybody competition in the Hitman Because what, what are you going to do? Um, well, I was going to say it's oddly specific, but I mean, you know, um, Sniper Elite is oddly specific, but then you get other Sniper games. And, yeah, you get Sniper Ghost yeah, Warrior. Yeah, you get... I'm trying to think of... Silent Scope. Yeah. Yeah, good old Silent Scope. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. So yeah, it's very strange to see nobody has gone, hey, that's a fun idea, because you're basically playing it, like like we said, you're playing a James Bond movie. Somebody could do, instead of Dubai, somebody could do, you know, um, Horta Valles, yeah. or, you know, a bunch I mean, of different this places. Is, this, I said this to you before, Dave. A James Bond game is the perfect game to build inside a Hitman-esque... World, like using the Hitman engine, IO should build a James Bond game, and it would be perfect. It would be a great James Bond game. Just espionage. hang on a moment, Craig. Craig, one moment. Uh-huh. I'm just sending IO Interactive an email right now. <laughs> Let me just see if they can make a 007 game. 
Is it right? I mean, do okay. it while Timothy Dalton's still alive. Please, I've done it now. Please do I'm it. Just waiting on the response. Um, All right, thank you. Oh, they said yeah, um, yeah. They'll do it for you, Craig. Oh, brilliant. brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, the, I, I think I think. All four of our picks uh, are games that I would agree with. Like, like I mean, the least of which, of course, is Metal Gear Solid. But that's taste. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just taste. I would never say it's a bad game, but it's a bad game. The player's um, like a goddamn fiddle. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think all all the picks, all four picks, are examples of no. This is why you played games this generation. With mine, of course, being the best. But you, you know, you know how it goes. Um. Uh, so I, I think it would be fun to keep this list if we can and come back to it in like five years and see what we think because it'll be curious Um. Uh, very quickly because we're running very long uh, rank them guys rank them Ooh, let me see I, I can do this I can do this on the off let's see PS4 3DS Wii U, Switch, Xbox One. No, Vita, Xbox One. <laughs> Done. <laughs> okay. Uh, I would go PS4, Wii U, Xbox, Switch, 3DS, Vita. Oh, geez. Uh, PS4, VR, just because the Quest is a thing. Oh, yep, yep. So that, that is a thing. Um, Probably Switch, 3DS, Xbox One, Vita. No, Vita, Xbox One. Okay. So all right, so there you have it. I think we all might be aligned. Um, I did a wee bit more stats, like I did last week, but it was pretty much in the sure. same. That what I did was I took mentions of IPs or series, 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 reliquaries, series, Um And basically, what's the best RG penis? Basic Geralt's obviously. Basically, just counting the amount of times we mention specific games or series, uh, we've got Yakuza, Metal Metal Gear Solid, Monster Hunter, and me Hitman through it, but that's just me. So we're Monster Hunter, Metal Gear Solid, and um, Metal Gear. God, what was I saying? Yakuza are the three kind of mainline threads throughout all four of us. It's pretty cool that it is. It is uh, because, in case you didn't notice, listener, uh, which you wouldn't know unless you're you're in our chat, which would be weird. Um, we argue all the time about, oh, you're playing that. What's wrong with you? You're nuts. Oh, I like this. Well, you're stupid. You know, we're constantly doing that. It, it's nice to see that uh, when when the chips are down, we we agree. Yeah. Pr- pretty 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 good. Um, one thing that uh, Luke would have brought up but didn't because he's not here is. Um, he said podcasting was one of the biggest things this gen. Um, if you've listened to us since the beginning, I'm very sorry. But also, thank you. Uh, this has been a big part of how I experienced this gen. Uh, I wouldn't have put half the thought into things I played if it wasn't for doing the podcast. So thank you very much for listening. It's It's been pretty cool. Uh, our numbers are still growing, which is good. Uh, otherwise... Um, Mike said he'll eternal darkness himself if the numbers go down. So please don't make them go down. Oh no, they're dropping they're, like uh, as we speak. Oh no, Mike, get hey, the bathtub. One, one, more the thing. Bathtub. <laughs> one more thing to add though. I will, from now on, I'll actually put some thought, because when I'm playing games, I'm enjoying them, I'm thinking about them all the time, but when I come to the podcast, I forget everything. So <laughs> apologies. <laughs> 
<laughs> it must be it terrible. It does make you play the games differently. <laughs> yeah. When you st- you start thinking about stuff. Um. So yes. Uh. Thank you to you, the listener. Uh. If you would like to, you know, bring up, hey, you guys didn't even talk about this. That's weird. Maybe you all just watch YouTube videos. Uh. You can do that at thebiteffect.com. But you know all this. So don't worry about it. Um. Our last thing is. So next time we have a resuming of normal episodes, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, next week as re- the first Retro Rewind again. Alright, uh, we start back in 1985 with Lunar Pool. Um, it's a thing. I played when I was a kid. Um, other than that, um, I guess thank you very much, and we will catch you next time on Super Punch-Out! and Punch-Out! for the Wii. I've been advertising this for like six years. Yep. It's It's finally going to be done. Exactly. (laughs) The hype man. Gentlemen, thank you very much for sacrificing your evening. Uh, I actually had a lot of fun. And uh, we will catch you guys next time. Say goodnight to the fine people. Good night, fine people. Good night.